Welcome to School of Everything Else. Press this way. With me are Laura Kate Dell from the new Let's Play video games, among other fine productions, including Podquisition. Hello. Hello, Laura, and welcome back. Thank you for having me back. I'm I'm ready to to you know be evil to some <laughs> residents, I suppose. <laughs> Um, just like my old landlord. Um, <laughs> welcome back, a long-time friend of the show, Neil Taylor of the YouTube channel The Kid Dog. <laughs> oh, God, I have nightmares about that guy. <laughs> and you guys should all go and check out Neil's History of Resident Evil video series that's just begun, wherein Neil revisits each game in turn. The first one, covering the 1996 game, is already out, so jump on YouTube and search for The Kid Dog all one word and two G's at the end. Uh, and Derek Ritchie, previously of Console Ninjas, currently of On Hiatus. Hello. Hello. <laughs> also big, big fan of our uh, uh, forums and a uh, friend of our community and uh, a very good friend of mine. We meet every week for Xbox Live shenanigans. Yes, we do. Hello. Do. Tonight, we are going to look at the very first game that was released on the PlayStation in 1996. As many of you will know, it's titled... Biohazard in Japan and the director, Shinji Mikami, doesn't like the westernized name of Resident Evil. It followed in the footsteps of and was clearly influenced by such early survival horrors as 1989's Sweet Home on the Famicom, that's the NES in Japan, and the first installment in the Alone in the Dark series, released on DOS in 1992 by Infragrams. As well as the 1996 original, we're going to be looking at the Director's Cut, released in 97, the GameCube remake in 2002, and the HD remake of that remake in 2015, released on the PlayStation 3, PlayStation 4, 360, and Xbox One. However, it has also appeared on the Saturn, the Game Boy Color, on Microsoft Windows, Nintendo 64, Nintendo Wii, and Nintendo DS. In short, this is the one with the mansion. We're covering it because it's a masterpiece, especially in its remade form. An influential survival horror masterpiece. But more to the point, it's one of my favourite games. And because Resident Evil 7 announcements and details are now everywhere, so it was kind of worth going back to the roots of the series. Now, we here at School of Movies don't ever intend to talk about any of the movies because there's not much you can really say about them. They're not. Yes, very there is. Good. It's a simple sentence. They're shit. Okay, I was going gonna... money-making shit, but they're shit. <laughs> I was going to be diplomatic and say they're not very good at all and content themselves with jabbing repeatedly at the fun button of teenage boys who just can't get enough slow-motion jumping, gun-toting Mila Jovovich and the tedious like... scenes of debating how best to take down Umbrella that loosely bind these moments together. Together. It's yeah. safe to say I've never seen so many slow motion bullets <laughs> in my life. I was going to say, if you want to truly know how evil 3D in films was, it con made that franchise continue. Mm. There, uh, there was a bit where um, uh, we watched 4 the other day, and, and uh, the bit where Mira Jovovich shoots the executioner's head off 
with her shotgun and then a bunch of coins dropped to the floor. Lyra thought she was watching Scott Pilgrim for a second. I went, no, she, <laughs> she put the coins in the in the shotgun. We saw that earlier in the, uh, like she, she was shooting a bunch of zombies. That would have been just a smidgen of whimsy, but no. Now, that's not to say that if you like the Resident Evil movies that you're wrong. We never say that, and as WHM would intone, it's okay to like a movie. But that's exactly the audience they're aimed at, teenage boys who love watching Mila Jovovich jump through the air in slow motion. And we need, we need a bit more from our sci-fi action horror to actually get a whole school, school of movies episode out of. I'm we all... need Scarlett Johansson jumping through the air in slow motion. Absolutely. That... <laughs> Notice we haven't, what else has she done with the jumping through the air in slow motion to... that's not Avengers related? We might do Lucy. She does some good films. See, uh, I never got around to that. Once. Oh, Lucy's good. I'm also not going to talk about many, if any, of the other Resident Evil games. Not on this show, because there's so much to talk about with the original. Uh, but the Resident Evil series, to me, ceased to be engaging when the Sacred Cow Resident Evil 4 was released. I'm all about mm. the zombies, not the last plagas. I, I do like Resident Evil 4, but it is not replayable for me, and... Um, so I, many of I, the bad habits of the franchise started right there. Sidebar, after recording this show and making that statement, I kind of got the itch. And then, like, the day after, I had no idea this was happening. The Resident Evil 4 remaster came out on Xbox One. And I picked that up, and I'm currently working my way through. I still stand by a lot of the things that I say in this episode, and it is nowhere near as easily and immediately replayable as the original Resident Evil HD. But you might hear me talk about it at some point later on. I am one game away from you there. Right. Four, I very much enjoyed. Five for Five. me was where I was like, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done here. And I did play six. My goodness, I did not recognize that as the same franchise going Oof. back to Resident Evil 1. I'm like, these, these are very different things. I, I never got to 6, but I mean, you're right, of course. The, the crimes of 5 are basically that it just does everything in 4 badly. Uh, and then 6, from the sounds of it, is downright atrocious. But, it is. Uh, but um, I, it's, it's wrong of me to be resentful of 4 and everybody loves it. But like, it's the fact that it's a sacred cow that makes me want to question it even more. Maybe, maybe we do a show on it. But that would require me to play it all the way through again. It's so mm. great. It's, it's, the thing it's with so great and racist. Is, it's not even a huge <laughs> problem with the game itself. Like, it's, if you look at 3, 3 is a horror game. Mm-hmm. 4 is an action horror game. And 5 is an action game. Yeah. That's four the is the one in between, yeah. and yeah. four is the one where that shift began and was noticeable. Yeah. I still liked it because there was still some horror there, but yeah. by five it was just oh, it's no. Not, it's not a bad no. game. It's just that, that four, the one that everybody loves, it was where I started to engage a bit less. It's a different way of doing it. That's the thing. I think yeah. if they had stuck to what they did before, everyone would have complained that yeah. you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah, Code Veronica did not sell fantastically, did it? No. Mm. Yeah. And the gun games didn't as well. Um, actually, does anyone have an exact count on how many Resident Evil games there have been? It's somewhere did, close to have, 20. I did have a list up a second ago, mm. and I should have counted. I can count for you now if you like. Yeah. Can we not include those horrible multiplayer-only efforts that appeared on the PS2 and the more recent... Raccoon City variant. You just forget they exist. If they have the word Resident Evil in it, we've got to include it, even if it's um, a, a, a match three uh, game on the iOS. <laughs> Wikipedia counts it as 26. Whoa. Not, not including re-releases of previous games. That's 26 distinct releases. 26 distinct releases and about five of them good. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. 
Um, so let's look at the game itself. Resident Evil 1. Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Every time someone says Resident Evil, you got to say Resident <laughs> Evil. Resident Evil. The story, for those of you who have never had the pleasure, is set in 1998 at the first signs of a Class 1 zombie outbreak. Uh, you can consult our Zombie Survival Guide episode on the different classifications. Uh, we move to a remote location in the hills outside of Raccoon City, and the members of a special forces group named STARS are chased inside by zombie dogs after searching for their partner team, Bravo. The mansion is overrun with zombies, and as either Chris Redfield or Jill Valentine, you, the player, must negotiate the halls, picking up items in your limited inventory, making shuttle runs to and from the few safe rooms, avoiding or destroying various monsters as well as the zombies, solving complicated puzzles, finding keys, exploring every nook and cranny, healing yourself and covering the secrets of the old house, interacting with various other members of stars, some of them alive, some of them dead and eventually escaping before the whole thing explodes. It is, without a shadow of a doubt, my favourite survival horror and bears up to endless replays. It is atmosphere out the wazoo, and to quote Donald Trump, the wazoo is the butthole, and as Derek, who has listened to me play on hard the other night, can attest over (laughs) Skype, even now, after 20 years, this can still make me yelp in fright. Yes, yes it can. (laughs) <laughs> it's, I, I think basically, um, was it you? Was it you, Derek, who just sort of turned up into the conversation and just I immediately screamed in your ear because I was talking to Ian and then a zombie lurched out of the shadows. And, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I kind of thought something relatively serious had happened in your house until you just told me that no, I just got attacked by a zombie and it went oh, okay. Now I know what's happening. Yeah, give you context for that. It's not a perfect game, though, and we can go into its limitations as we discuss the experience of playing Resident Evil. Resident Evil. As we do now. Can I just say, was my motivation not helping you sending you my clear times? (sighs) (laughs) Neil has been rubbing in my face all week. Oh, look, I did it in five hours. Oh, look, I did it in four hours. Oh, look, I did it in three hours. How? How did you do it in three hours? Mentalist. Uh, a lot easier on the PC version where right. there isn't a run button. It's more... It, it's literally... They've changed the control system, so you if you push full forward on the stick, you're actually just running, so you control your oh, speed yeah. there. No, that that's, helps. The, that's the same as the one on the Xbox One also, PS4. Also, who jobs. walks in these games? You never walk. Run. Uh, don't, yeah, don't get me started. Playing, I played it on the GameCube, mm-hmm. and... That, that B button on that controller has never had so much use. Shall we talk about the controls button. now, actually, then? Because that's kind <laughs> yeah, of rough. You it's, can't talk about this game without talking about it, those. It's maybe the second thing that strikes you about the game after you start playing the first ever PlayStation game. I mean, Laura, you'd have been like six when this came out. Uh, I would have been five when this game came out because it was 1996. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. Now I feel old. <laughs> I, yeah, I did not Check play you. this uh, originally until the GameCube remake. Okay. And even then, I played that a couple of years after it came out. Okay. So I was a bit late to it, but I have played the PlayStation original. And uh, is it fair to say that half of the reason that game was so scary when you first play it is because the deliberately obtuse controls make it quite difficult to kill things? Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think it's a a lot of it. I found because I, I played the GameCube one for this uh, particular podcast, and I had a Wii shot on the Xbox One version. Mm-hmm. And the bit I don't understand going back now is that the GameCube could have done that control scheme on that stick. Yeah, but for whatever reason, they never decided to do it that, that way. Well, I, Which, I have a I have a theory about this. And my theory is, is that at the time when they did the GameCube remake, they hadn't yet started doing all the, like, hey, Resident Evil. Resident Evil. 
signals about action and feeling like you're awesome yeah. rather than feeling powerless and weak still. Yeah. And I think that it was a deliberate decision of we don't want running to be your default because mm. when you do that, it's easier to get distance. It's easier to keep yourself safe. You we dodge. want you to feel like these... Yeah, we want you to feel like these zombies are always in reach of you mm. and you should be scared of them. And that's easier when it's harder to get around when you're wrestling so, with the character rather than I, moving with them yeah like yeah. i feel like they must have known they could have improved the controls yeah. and i think at that point it was still just it's scary when it's hard to to make your character get into position to kill stuff yeah so is part of it the fact that the controls mimic the panic that you would have if you were actually there so I, instead of no, knowing when you when you turn around, you do that quick turnaround. You don't go to dig to dig to dig to dig and slowly turn on the spots. Well, I heard someone describe it once, and I don't know if I agree with this, but it's an interesting way of describing it is that if you turned up in a mansion and suddenly there were zombies everywhere, you might find it a little difficult to aim straight at stuff. Yeah, and I'm like, eh, I'm not sure that I I agree with that being a reason to have. Tank-like it, it, turning. Yeah, it almost it, seems like you'd actually be more jittery and you'd zigzag all over yeah. the place rather than. To be fair, yeah. In, in regards to the original dire- and director's cut, it was also a limitation of the time. Mm. We didn't have analog sticks. There oh, is, yeah. There's only is a version of the PlayStation One game that does have analog. For the dual shock, it was, yeah. it, it's literally dual shock edition, and I think that was only released in Japan. So. Oh, yeah, I, I remember the time when the the Jewel Shop first came out, and um, it was on Gran Turismo, and I think Resident Evil Two Resident Evil. incorporated those control. I want to say that, but I might be wrong on that. But it was around it's the same time. The two were the two games were released very close to each other, and uh, that was pretty revolutionary. Just the idea of like even just the walking backwards for a second and then pressing the 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 I mean, one of the buttons will turn you. That was Resident Evil Three. Resident Evil. So they didn't even have that in Resident Evil 2. Resident Evil. Shall we stop this? You know, as, as random gags go, it's it's annoying you. It's a pain in the ass to keep track of myself. And if I miss one, someone's going to go, Oh, you missed a Resident Evil. Resident Evil. So, uh, joke's over. Let us never speak of this joke again. I don't know if... How old were you in 2007, Laura? I'd have been 16. So listening to podcasts at that point on video games? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'd have been listening to video oh, game yeah. podcasts. You might point. have remembered people of our generation talking, <laughs> <laughs> complaining about the uh, the tank control still sort of being there in Resident Evil 5 when um, that mm. Gears had already been released at this point. People were complaining, look, could you not just make it like, you know, like a bit more like Gears or at least like you'd be reliable? Mm. Doesn't... Uh, Dead Space have a, a control scheme not dissimilar to that. I mean, it's not really, it's not cover-based, but you feel like your character is reliable. Well, that's the thing, is if you go in with your game design sort of knowing in advance, the player is going to have a lot of control of how they yeah. move, and you build your encounters around that, then you can get away and still have, you know, horror be scary and tense. But Resident Evil stuck with a very long time for this seeming attitude of hmm. if it's hard for you to run and turn and aim and like get yourself into a safe position to shoot at stuff, yeah. then you'll be more scared. And that stuck with that yeah. franchise long beyond the point where it was a hardware limitation or yeah. that it should have been a design limitation. They want to make it hard for you to get mm. away. Mm. And yet the uh, the new remakes are a testament to the fact that with the new control scheme, which allows you to walk all over the place and run all over the place, it's still scary as all hell. Oh, yeah. It's, it's still scary, but it's not 
as scary. I suppose you and feel a bit I, more of a master of your environment. I'll, I'll happily well take that trade off. I, I would rather uh, master of unlocking. <laughs> um, I, I would rather take of the version of that game that is slightly, slightly less scary, but that I uh, mm. feel I'm in control of. Yeah. But I do recognise that there is a slight amount of that tension lost. Mm. Then I, I think it's a worthwhile trade-off, but I can see how the developers might not have been certain of that. And masterfully, yeah. the uh, the HD remake, we'll just call it HD, um, it, they give you the choice. You can swap it in and out. Mm. In fact, yeah. there were a couple of times in the game that I went back to the classic way because I was trying to run away from those boulders, and there were times when mm. G- Jill, I was playing at the time, just goes, no, I'm just going to walk. And you're like, you stupid! And now you're dead. Uh, so, yeah. but if you switch to classic controls, you can hold down the run button and she'll run. So, I didn't tell you this during my playthroughs of four full completions and one that gave me just pissed me off because my game. <laughs> Wait to find out your GameCube disc is balked. You got up to the tyrant, didn't you? Uh, yes, I was. I was about. I was about to walk through the door to the Wesker confrontation to fight the tyrant for the first time. Ah, uh, we can't load your disc. Okay, reload. Can't read disc. Reload. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. So almost five times. Oh, that's punishing. I have a total of two deaths. Uh, but this will make you happy, Alex. One of them is to that freaking boulder. I can. <laughs> yep, the boulders, the boulders, and that that crushing room. You know the one I mean with the statue that you got to push around. That oh. that crushing room claimed our lives. Like because I was getting Lyra and Sharon to do the um, puzzles, claimed our lives. Like the hunters never got us. We never got killed by a hunter ever, and they're the most terrifying thing in the game for me. Um, but the, the this crushing room just got killed over and over and That's, over again. You mean the one from the remake? The yeah, the remake. It's not in the original. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to push the statue down the middle. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh. It's one of those. Oh, you're a bit, a bit too slow. Go back and try again. Uh, type ones, but um, yeah, the the actual environmental puzzles actually tend to be a lot more lethal than the uh, um, creatures that you can marshal by uh, by learning their their patterns. And, yeah, and I think away. also because a lot of us we're all replaying this, so yeah, yeah. the creatures don't hold any fear. We know that. Oh, we they hold just, some yeah. fear, especially on art. I, well, when they come through the person through the doors, like they do in the remake, that's always fun. God, yeah. Or, or, or we'll mention when we get there the. <clears throat> Heads. The crimson heads? <laughs> oh, I never called them crimson, but it starts with S. All right. Um, the, see, Lyra was just about on board until crimson heads turned up, and she was like, no, no more, no more. I don't like crombies. And I was like, what's a crombie? She went, it's like a fast zombie. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so now, no more, no more things with crombies in them. She can deal with the slow ones, but not the fast ones. So, won't be showing her 28 days later anytime soon. Um... <laughs> To be fair, I still remember them when I played it the first time on the original PlayStation, and you see that first zombie yeah. when he's eating an ex-teammate. Forest. No, it's uh, Kevin. Yeah, Kevin. He, he he stands up, he looks at you, and he starts to wander towards you. And at that point, I was complete fingers and thumbs. And replaying it now, we just know what to expect because yeah. we've been through it before. But I still remember the. It wasn't so much the fear of what the thing was. In fact, yeah. it was just coming towards me, and I was conflating with the control system, going, "How do I turn around? How do I turn?" And then it bit me, and then it went, "Ah!" That still absolutely sticks with me to this day. As even though it's one thing that you look at it now and you go, "It's just a big load of blocks," mm. my mind filled in all the rest of the blanks at that stage. Yeah, yeah, that's that is true. It's 
uh, one of the best differences between I will always say the remake and the HD remake are the gold standard when it comes to remakes mm. because they didn't mm. just remake the game the, the GameCube version the re, the remake is gorgeous in it its textures in its backdrops and in so its lighting yeah yeah mm-hmm. and sound design as well for that quite was a lot of it. it was made around about the time when Capcom signed a deal with Nintendo to do three exclusive Resident Evil games with them and I think they did uh, another it's remake Cap- zero and four. four yeah all of those together and uh, that was th- those were some of the best games on the GameCube and um, oh, maybe not zero I've never actually played zero I've now bought it it's, and it's okay it's sitting waiting it's, to be played. It's not the best Resident Evil game there is, but mm. it's still better than a lot of other games. Uh, it's, it's pretty decent. I'm going to go back yeah. and play Veronica again. I, I, I have Veronica HD just sitting there waiting to be played out. I've, okay. I've finished it on Dreamcast. So I'm going to admit something now. This I'll admit later on when I do my videos as well. Mm-hmm. Veronica is my white whale. You you, you need to... Ah. What, what happened? It's the only one I have never beaten. What? Did you get up to the bit in the plane? Yes. Was it that bit that killed you? It was that, and I didn't have enough ammo. Exactly. There is a bit. Join, it's really unfair. It's really unfair. Basically, you, you're loaded onto a plane, and you've got, like, you know, whatever you took with you. If you don't have ammo and guns enough prepared, they chuck a tyrant in there, and you've already saved on the plane. So it's like, oh, your whole game is buggered. Sorry. And it's like, that is... That is Terrible ass game design, I tell you right there, because it, it it stymied both me and Neil. It's ridiculous. To be fair, you, you could have something similar in this game if you're a bit haphazard with your ammo. Yeah, I don't know what we're mostly all old enough to be at the stage where we remember the days where you had games, and as soon as you got health portions and ammunition, you went right. If I don't have to shoot anybody and I don't have to heal myself, I won't. I'm just going to stockpile everything. Yeah. Until I get to like the last twenty minutes when I really need it. Yeah, but but I think we we weren't really like I think the way the game was being signposted at that point, it wasn't like you better put something really heavy into your equipment here because you're going to be up against something serious. So like because if you've got a chance to save, you're going to save, and so that's why I've always ever since then like saved and then saved slightly further behind. You know what I mean? So. Like I've got a what I've got a back like it's playing choose your own adventure games with one finger in but in the page where you're like wow I'll keep that one. You know, yeah, by the way, we could just have written down the page number on a piece of paper. Why do we have to keep our fingers in the books? It made it uncomfortable. To be fair, that that's another thing about this game though, is when you go back to it, you do have to kind of pick and choose your saves a little bit. Yeah. Especially if you're doing some of the quick runs. Oh and yeah, yeah. There's an option. There's some things about oh, a minimum oh. amount of saves you can do it in. Yeah, it's sometimes I can't. I think it's six. Yeah. That's quite hard. Or if you've got the newer version, there is an achievement for not saving. Oof. I can't do that. I can't yeah. do that in the remake for two reasons: the boulder, the boulder, you can, you can always carry, it's it, and Lisa. Lisa yeah. has a one-hit kill, and if you get that wrong, yeah, I would cry at losing that much progress. Lisa, by the way, fascinated Lyra. The, the whole because you know, since you identify with a, a child from her letters. Lyra immediately started to build a whole story around Lisa. And I was like, uh, you know, are you okay with all this? And she was like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I just wanted to know that Lisa gets out okay. And then eventually she was like, we have to give peace to Lisa. She's um, she's quite determined for justice to be done and for people who weren't, it's not their fault, to uh, find some sort of, you know, in this case, that, that she's horribly infected and, and tortured. Um, that might be the darkest, that 
that Resident Evil oh, yeah. ever gets is that story. Yeah. yeah. Um, while we're actually on things that suck about Resident Evil, should we talk about the combat knife? The, the, oh, the lie what? that they give you at the beginning of the game as Chris is like, here's a combat knife. That'll be useful. This, I won't. Yeah, it's basically a plastic fork that yeah. no, wait, it, and you should stab It's it a spork inviting other zombies to come and eat you. No, it is useful for opening one door in the entire game. Is it? <laughs> when does that happen? Oh, is that the um, I, the one for the spider? Black Tiger, yeah. yeah. Spider. Oh, God, it's cool. Oh, that's just, the, that, uh, that's uh, literally the only time you use it. I feel like it's in the room, just talking about it. Oh, no, please, that's still... I, I have a severe... I have severe arachnophobia, so when you go into the pool room, and then you just hear... Oh. You know, those bastards on the ceiling. The spiders creep me out, but that's not the one that gets me. And I can never... How's it pronounced? Yoni? Yarn. Yawn. Yawn. Oh, the, the snake. snake. Oh. I hate snakes, Jack. I hate them. The funny thing is, I'm okay with it in the director's cut because it's it squares, it's fine. It doesn't look like a snake. And then yeah. you get to the remake and it's like, oh, fucking yeah, hell. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it comes back. Well, yeah, I've, I've got a whole section on bosses in a bit, but just just the combat knife. If you, uh, if you haven't played this yet, folks, and you start off as Chris, don't put that combat knife in your hand. You're better, better off going up against a zombie with no weapon at all and just treating that zombie like something to be avoided. If you actually try and take it on with the combat knife, you're going to get eaten. Right. The biggest problem is it's not even the amount of damage it does that's the problem. It's the tiny amount of range you've got as well. Yeah. It's, in order to use that knife, you have to get so close to those zombies that do that so much damage in this game. You're like, you don't ever want to be that close to a zombie for any reason, let alone to poke at it with a spore. Yep, yeah. you pretty much may as well tickle it to death under that circumstance. Especially if you are playing as Chris, you have, so, you have such a low amount of inventory space yeah. anyway as don't standard. Worry. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, there's almost no scenario where you must kill something. I mean, basically, that's, like, under maybe certain circumstances where you've used all your ammo in the game and you need to get to a place and there's this one thing that you've got to kill. But I I can't see any scenario where just avoiding it isn't a better idea. It's just the yeah, I was going to say, unless it's the bosses. Who's going to kill don't. the? Who's going to kill Yawn with the freaking dagger? Well, sorry to go back to the, the, the achievements again. Apparently, there's one for doing it with just the knife as well. Nice. I'm like, oh. I'm not that sadistic. No. Nice. Well, that's basically just ignore every enemy that's not a boss, and yeah. then yeah. you know have the worst time of your life trying to knife a boss to death. How do you knife the tyrant? Yeah. How, How do you knife Lisa to death? I suppose we, you can you can just okay. avoid her and then do the the well, never po- yeah, directly pe- fight. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, good point. Good point. For the tyrant, I'm just picturing that all you need is an awful lot of patience. Like you've got to mm. be the kind of person that does um, Dark Souls bosses with a dance mat. Yeah. You, then, you know what it is? Awful lot of health packs. You you probably equip the knife. It looks at you, looks at you again, and just laughs <laughs> itself to death. <laughs> Seriously? A knife? Yeah. Okay. That's you call that a knife? That's not. <laughs> Um, okay, so first things middle. Um, the original game, which when you, it's astonishing. There's a couple. There's two. There's three things really that really separate it from the GameCube remake, um, and that's uh, the 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 presence of full motion video, uh, the graphics themselves, and the world class worst delivery in terms of acting. It is, you know what it is? legendarily bad. That's, I think, a saving grace of that game. Yeah. Because it is so bad. Oh, it's it, hilarious. You got it past the it's bad to so bad it's good. It's almost Nanar. 
at that stage. It's, it, it's so... You yeah. quoted the, the lockpicking line. I'm surprised we haven't said it yet, but we'll say it now. You, you were almost a Jill sandwich. sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's just so terrible. And to go along with that incredibly cheesy full motion video opening... Mm-hmm. As well, isn't there in Dead Rising a shop in the mall called Jill's Sandwiches? Yes, there is. Nice, classy. Um, I, obviously, this was supposed to parody bad horror movies, hmm. but I don't think I've ever seen a horror movie with acting this bad. You know, well, even Birdemic. Yeah. Is like, looking at it now, it very much looks like it's trying to parody those kind of things. But yeah. there's so much about that opening that takes itself really seriously as well. That like. It doesn't set itself up as you should be laughing. It's take us seriously. Also, we're using bad horror movie tropes, yeah. which is odd at the time. If you look back at it now, it's hilarious. But I don't know how they got away with that weird mishmash of tones. Yeah. Well, the thing the is, I, mean, I looked at the back of the box, and this was released according to the box over in 2002. Hmm. And I mean, even then, we have to remember the whole idea of voice acting within a video game at that stage was not necessarily taken even scripts oh hang on no 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 the actual the 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 gamecube version had good voice acting relative to the i'm comparing it to the worst voice acting ever here i i'm gonna say that the gamecube voice acting is less enjoyable all right oh yeah exactly the reason you said before which is that at least the 1996 version is laughably bad I mean, Whereas the times yeah. where the 2002 version is bad, it's not laughably bad, it's just not good. It well, sure as hell ain't Mass Effect. Well, it's, no. it's like if you listen to the dialogue, uh, the, the, the flow between Rebecca and Chris in the remake, yeah. it's very off, it's not right. Mm. Just, the only way I can describe it is there's no chemistry. I, the, it's almost like, the, it's very noticeable, I think, in the Chris campaign more than the Jill Barry campaign, mm-hmm. where the voice acting. But then again... Jill Sandwich. Uh, although, actually, in the GameCube version, um, you can get the broken shotgun and basically avoid the whole Jill Sandwich scenario entirely as Jill. Which I did. So, yeah, me too. Because it's quicker. You actually have to... Uh, I think, actually, I had to... Like, I had the broken shotgun in my inventory, and I was like, let's see if I can get the Jill Sandwich bit. And it crushed me to death. I was like, where was Barry? <laughs> I yeah, was a Jill sandwich. If you pick up the broken shotgun, you he don't save it. you. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Here's a handy-dandy rundown of some of the best lines in the original, or the worst lines in the original, that were changed to be a little bit more subtle for the new version and, of course, delivered in a lot more professional fashion. Many thanks to Outside Xbox for compiling these. Original. Jill, here's a lockpick. It might be handy if you, the master of unlocking, take it with you. Remake. Oh, I almost forgot. It's a lockpick. You'd make better use of it. Original. Whoa, this hall is dangerous. Remake. Jill. Barry, I didn't mean to get you that excited. Right. Original. What is this? Wow, what a mansion. Stop it. Don't open that door. Barry! Where's Barry? Well, I'm sorry, but he's probably... He seems to have been bitten by a poisonous snake, but the size of the wound is abnormally large. It's not just a poisonous snake, it's a monster. Jill, see if you can find any other clues. I'll be examining this. Hope this is not Chris's blood. 
Wesker? Jill? What happened to Jill and Wesker? That was too close. You were almost a Jill sandwich. <laughs> You're right. Barry, thanks for saving my life. But how about you, Barry? I have this. Thank you. I'll take this then. Oh, Jill. This house is dangerous. There are terrible demons. Ouch! You're wounded. What kind of demon attacked you? It was a huge snake. And also poisonous. Now let's hear how they handled those choice lines in the remake. What is this place? Not quite your ordinary house, that's for sure. Jill, no. You don't want to go back out there. Barry. Where's Barry? He's... No. He seems to have been bitten by a poisonous snake. But the size of the bite mark is huge. It's not just any ordinary snake. <laughs> Take my word for it. Jill, see if you can find any other clues. I'll be examining this. Let's just hope it's not Chris's. Wesker? Jill? Where did they go? That was a close one. A second late, you would have fit nicely into a sandwich. Really? Thanks. What about you? Oh, don't worry. I like the buddy system we have here. I see. This whole place is a killing zone. Uh, there are monsters. What did this to you? A big snake. And it had to be... Poisonous. Poisonous? Richard, hold on! So it succeeds in not being the worst video game dialogue delivery ever. So yeah, but basically, um, I'll have played a whole bunch of uh, different bits of this game. Uh, you know, the actual uh, the, the voice bits while we've been talking about it. But yeah, you folks at home can have, you know, you can judge for yourself the difference between uh, the original and the uh, GameCube one. You know, it's, it's the difference between world-class worst and I'm still going to stand by it's kind of good in comparison, just mainly because it's more atmospheric. M maybe just because, you know, visually I'm seeing some something more serious. But, you know, just would say average. It, it's higher quality but less memorable. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the only thing I can remember from the remake, just because I've played it recently, is when you rescue Rebecca mm. yeah. at some point, and basically he just says, "Stay safe," and then gives her a thumbs up. Yeah, as if that will help. There are times when Barry says something like, "You know, do you know there are monsters everywhere?" And you're like, "What the fuck? Like I've been shooting and killing zombies all evening. What are you talking about?" Well, Jill seems completely oblivious to the fact there are zombies as well. Like, there yeah. are multiple times where, like, she'll find someone dead and mauled in the face and all their skin's gone. Yeah. And she'll be like, what did this? I'm like, well, it was the zombies, clearly. What, mm. Why? You've seen a, a bunch of zombies. Why are you still sounding shocked and surprised that I wonder what ate this man's face? Also, that anybody could ever be surprised by the turn of Wesker. Like, you know, Jill, uh. I didn't see you there. I've been how... looking around. Also, how 
was she surprised when Barry did the same and turned round? Because it's you yeah. heard through a door, you heard Barry say that he needed to destroy stars. Yep. And then you act surprised when he is going to destroy stars. That, he abandons you at one point as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. On the the elevator, yeah. Oh. Uh. Yeah, no, Jill does not come across as... Uh, there's a, The only one redeeming line in the whole game was, I knew it, when, when uh, Wesker turns on them. And they're kind of, you know, I knew, I had you pegged all along. I'm just playing along with this because I thought you might shoot me in the back if I didn't. Which he also, might have done. We, totally shocked Carlos. We, oh, hang on, not Carlos. What's the, what's the name of the guy in the tunnels? Enrique. Enrique, sorry. Hmm. <laughs> it's this kind of case of where you're like, hang on, I fought zombies, dogs, God knows what else. You turn up, you're shooting bees. Yeah. Freaking bees. <laughs> Those bees are scary, though, sometimes. <laughs> they just come out of nowhere. Like, the original full motion video, I cannot convey that in sound. You folks are going to have to go to uh, YouTube, and it is a sorry 10-minute experience of hilarity. It uh, actually gets better with the director's cut. Oh, yeah? Where they messed up. Oh, right, why? Because in the director's cut, it is meant to be uncut. All right. And they put the wrong video in, and it's the cut version. Even though the box says uncut. it's uncut. So it's like when they, they lift up a gun and attach to it as a hand, but then they cut before you see Basically, the severed bit of it. You see the sever. You meant to see the severed bit. You meant to see all the blood, and I think you meant to see Kenneth get his head bit off and stuff. Do you know which country did get the uncensored version, which still to this day makes me laugh? Finland. Germany. Ge- I was close. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is impressive. Go but, Germany. But Germany's the place which actually tends to have more of a strict ban on violence. Yeah, they're, they're the reason that PAL versions of games usually have blood that's not red, is because yeah. Germany. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, the actual, the, 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 the full motion video stuff itself, and pretty much the, the content of the original Resident Evil, is like PG levels of tame. You know, which which is you know fine because we didn't you know it was a it was a simpler, quieter you know Clinton administration time when uh, we you know that everyone was always think of the children and specifically it's a full motion video featuring violence and Night Trap have been doing the rounds in the friggin' Supreme Court of you know should all video games be destroyed in a fire because of Night Trap? Let's find out. Turns out they they weren't. But uh, but yeah the uh, the original um, FMV. Very uh, uh, glad that that is now a relic of the past. And in fact, they, they do- ditched that for Resident Evil 2. They went to, uh, you know, uh, in-game CG. cut. Uh, it, there's like two levels of um, C- of CG in uh, Resident Evil 2. There's just the, the regular in-game stuff, and then there's the slightly more polished, but st- it, comparatively, the regular in-game stuff doesn't look so bad by today's standards because it looks just the same as the main game you're playing. But when it cuts to the sort of PlayStation 1 graphics and this is the best we could do with everyone's fingers look like white sausages um, <laughs> the, it's, it's, a, to, it's also a testament to the, the design style of both uh, that they use for the first three games well, hmm. and on a bit which is that pre-rendered background and interactive character, you know, yeah. characters just there. That, that helps it that helps the game age better than some other PlayStation yeah. games that's the other thing the actual the, the way that the game is set up it's solid static camera angles on pre-rendered backgrounds uh, which mean that you can be standing in a hallway looking down the hallway and you don't know what's there and you might hear what's there and that it's basically a combination of uh, um, I suppose uh, graphical interface and sound design which makes for an incredibly atmospheric experience even playing on the original PlayStation version just hearing like stepping into a hallway and you can't see anything but it goes 
Hunter, and that you can hear a hunter, you're like, shit, my pants. Now, that's usually the point where I'm going, and Magnum? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, shotgun person all the way for those. Yeah. Uh, basically, my, my good playthrough is exhaust the shotgun as much as possible, and when that runs out, Magnum, because one, one shot, kill bitches. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Although I did, I tell you something that I noticed, and now it's—I don't know if it's sporting for me. It just makes me laugh. Mm-hmm. You know, every time you kill a dog, yeah, yeah, it's a monkey sound effect. Now I can't not notice that. Oh, thanks yeah. for that. <laughs> um. Actually, in the original, makes them less scary. In Resident Evil Two, I think in the original PlayStation games with the dogs, if you backed yourself into a corner, just took aim and let them run around the place and just carefully, steadily shot at them, they go down, then they get back up again, then they go down, then they get back up again, and you just do it methodically and you deal with them. In the GameCube version, that's when they they're slippery rascals. They get in way too close. They jink mm. left and right and, and zigzag, and that's oh, when they become I, really scary. I hate dogs. I hate the dogs because yeah. you you mess them up, they have you. Especially because you never usually encounter one. It's always two to three, yeah. Yeah. and they will ruin your day. They will. It's, uh, I, After- on hard, I got to the first dog boss up on the balcony, and I was on like full green, no problem. He jumped on my face and ripped at my neck, and I was dead. And I was like, well. That was difficult yeah, to avoid. Fun. I think a lot of the enemies have one-hit kills, Brilliant. which I, I hate that. Enjoy taking out that guy with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> I will see on the pre-rendered background things very quickly. It's interesting to me that the more the tech has gotten better, the more the CG backgrounds look a bit more like what are classed as blue screen. Yeah. Yes. And that you can begin to quite distinctly see... It looks more like it's a nice painting that they put somebody into and he's mm. trying to work around it amongst barriers. I see what you mean. It wasn't as applicable in the PlayStation era because it was all just quite new. Mm. And yeah. it was partly used as, of course, a limitation for what they had. But yeah, it was used incredibly well. It's like playing, because obviously I played the, the, the PC remake. Um, the, color, the characters seem much more vibrant than the backgrounds. Now, admittedly, just so I could distinguish between my footage I was recording at the time, mm-hmm. uh, I chose the sort of the Resident Evil 5 skins. Mm-hmm. So they did pop a lot more. Maybe if I'd chosen the original skins, they might, might not right. be. But I was noticing that. And, of course, you always know what to interact with in anything, because mm-hmm. anything you can interact with is always a different colour. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And that wasn't such a big issue for the PlayStation version. But, again the more times this game gets remade the more obvious it becomes oh that's the interactable because it's not part of the painting although in saying that the GameCube version what they did with the map in the GameCube I'm assuming with the Xbox version is a room will keep flashing red if there's something inside it Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's not actually obvious there's times that I've done what I class as a dog sniffing a wall scenario where I just get my character running up and down alongside pressing the A button you heard me screaming about that you know in the room where Paul Rebecca gets killed that's uh, it's just up above the one of the first um uh, safe rooms, you know, the, the one that's sort of like the you can... The dog whistle room. Yeah, the dog whistle room. I was just running around, like, scraping my face against everything, just to you know, see if I could pick anything up, and nothing. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah. Also, bad on you. You got Rebecca killed. Uh, that that did not happen to me this time round, but it, that is has really stuck with me. Um, like if you, it happens basically once you get back into the man- mansion after the guardhouse and the hunters are in there. You deal with the first one, then you hear Rebecca scream from uh, that room, and you've got to get there really quick. I think it's inside of a minute. So if you stop to dally with the other hunters that are on the, uh, uh, the outside the save room and on the stairs and in the hall, then you get into that room and a hunter is there and leaps up in the air, takes her head clean off. It's, it's horrifying because, like, she was your only friend and then you've got to spend the rest of the game completely friendless and, like, feeling like you could have done something to save her. Despite the fact she... I don't know when you want to talk story, but... Yeah. She may be dead anyway. I'm not entirely sure. Oh, I haven't played Resident Evil Zero yet. Um, no, no, not that. Zero is a prequel. Zero takes place be- literally be- is about Bravo Team and what happens. Okay, then. well, the, the plot-wise, how is she dead anyway? Right. So it comes down to the fact that okay, I might get shot of that. Depends which ending is canon. Okay. If you play with Chris, Wesker dies. Right. Which of course play- is not the canon because he comes yeah. back in Code Veronica and then five, five. five. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we blow up in a volcano. Um, is he dead yet? Because I want him to be dead. That, that he's guy. dead now. Oh. He, if he can survive a volcano, I give up. We oh, can't kill him. But um, also, he's such a smug bellend in the fourth Resident Evil movie. Christ. Mm-hmm. Sorry, he's Carol. just a smug bellend in general. That is his character. Yeah. Um, so with Chris, you, if you do get the good ending with Chris, you save Jill, you save Rebecca. Wesker dies. Okay. But we know Wesker doesn't die. Okay. So it looks like the canon ending is Jill, Jill, Barry, Jill, and Wesker. Is Jill's ending because Wesker is injured. You defeat the tyrant, you run back, and he's disappeared. Yeah. Which lines up with... Because also, Remake is also a retcon, which tries to tie that tangled mess of a plot together. Which is, you know... So, I'm never entirely sure what happened to Rebecca. And for the life of me, I cannot remember if she crops up in anything else past one. Mm. I don't believe she does. Rebecca. I know Barry does. Yeah, Barry does. I'm going to check yeah, for her. Um, you guys ca- carry on talking about Barry while I check for Rebecca. I hate Barry. <laughs> Am I the only person <laughs> in the world reason. that hates Barry? No, Barry is terrible, and like he's the least transparent like person who's going to betray you ever. We've talked <laughs> about this already, but how, 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 how does anyone not see that he's going to turn on you and he's working against you? And he's just so the- transparent. He's transparent, but at least they give you a reason. Yeah, he, Wesker threatened to kill my wife and kids. Okay, yeah. that I can get behind, but he's the most useless character ever. He's he's useless and he's an idiot and he sounds so annoying every time he talks about anything. He's just like, oh, we're going to die, but haha, I'm Barry, let's have a bit of a chuckle. And it's like, no, <laughs> no is, there are zombies everywhere. Be serious, Barry. <laughs> the thing is, if you look at it, I think just on character basis, if you played the first game in isolation and you had no idea about any of the other games at all, I think you would come out of that and just think, they all seem a little bit shallow, to be honest. Mm. There's really no... If you can't find it, there's very little development of any of them. Yeah. At all. It's yeah. very much a surface level. It's a puzzle game. It's a puzzle game that's been wrapped up in a horror cliché. Yeah, um, yeah, you are right, because to be fair, Chris doesn't really get any sort of character yeah. until 5. None, none of them. The only reason we relate to them more now is purely because the later games have given them more of what mm. we recognise. But if you take Resident Evil in its isolation itself, you come out of it and all you really think is, 
Well, this lot are quite good with guns, apart from these two people who are complete arseholes that try to screw them over. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the best bit is Barry's meant to be this uber gun nut as well. How did it take him four shots to kill one zombie with a magnum? Yeah. Are we talking about the first zombie? I think it's yes. three shots. <laughs> it's three shots, not four, I think. He aimed And he doesn't actually toes. kill it because it gets back up and it leaves yeah. the room. Yeah. Yeah. It gets back up and leaves the room and goes, well, I've never been shot at before, this is the living end. Obviously, the problem is that for these, for Barry in particular, Barry was basically shunted in, was, was I think, probably had a bigger part in that, oh, he's going to be a little bit devious. And then they kind of got to the game and went, how are we going to do this? Shall we just, you know, yeah, fine, we're just, that's fine. And they didn't really give it any further thought than, well, we'll just make him a little bit bad. Also, his... His, like, coming back to being a good person happens so quickly that there's, like, no reason for why he would do that. It's, no, I'm willing to, to let Jill and all the stars people die because I care about my family more. And then about 30 seconds later, he's like, ah, no, forget about my family. Yeah. I care about stars. Half like of them it... are dead now, but now I care about <laughs> them more than my family. And it doesn't really make sense as to why he came back. Also, there's hints in his dialogue that he's messed up somewhere before down the line as well, because he says, I can't let this happen again. How much more Star's blood is on your hands, Burton? Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I think as well, part of the problem is that the story in this game has to be hunted for. Yeah. It presents nothing on the surface. There's no real narrative per se. It's all in a document. It's all in... uh, it's all documents, there's no real exposition. You can quite easily go through... The best thing is you can go through the end of the game as Chris. You can find Jill in the cell, and Jill turns around and says, I never thought it'd be Wesker. Chris says, I know. But if you've not got any of the documents up until that point, all you're sitting <laughs> is going, what? You don't really want, it's only afterwards that when the tyrant comes around, you go, oh, that's what he meant. Hmm. But yeah. up to that... <laughs> Could, you could sit and go, what, why, what's Wesker done? Mm-hmm. Especially because they make it blatantly obvious it's Wesker, because if you check the slides in the in the, in the conference room, mm. there's a freaking picture of him with the team in the lab. It's like, mm. was that just for the people who didn't quite get it? There is a certain kind of fan, and I don't want to make sweeping statements on this, and I certainly don't want to make judgments on those kinds of fans, but there's a certain kind of fan who has a particular love of lore. And, uh, the more- Hello. Yeah, the more convoluted and sort of like, you know, uh, twisty turny, like, you know, do more research, check back in here, and like there's loads of stuff below the surface which just regular people won't get, uh, the more they love it. So that's why um, the Capcom, like the Resident Evil series has spanned for 20 years of incredibly convoluted and this character went here and this character went there. And the movie series has its own chronology which sort of half mirrors it. Um, And... You know, the, 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 you know, most of the super duper fans of the, of the series, um, who are you know big fans of the law, can tell you that in fact Rebecca Chambers did survive the Mansion incident and apparently turned up in in one of the gun games or something in two thousand and five. I hate the gun games. I played them once. Mm. I never want to play. But them I think again. she probably only turned up in note form. In which case, you know, that's the you know only the only the uh, um, uh, the law fans <laughs> will know that. I um, but. <laughs> I should know that probably, but the, the, I said before this plot is like Cthulhu-esque, in, mm. not as in as deep as Cthulhu, but it's like a Cthulhu monster. It's all tentacles and things, and I'm not, and it's just like oh, I have no idea because things yeah. keep coming in and out of canon and God knows what. But I think it's it's also like unlike Resident Evil Two, which for the record is my favourite, and I do remake as well. 
I can't wait for the remake. remake. So yeah. hopefully, Ooh. like I said, re- Rest One is the gold standard, so they've got a lot to live up to. But the thing with Two is it has the parallel stories going on. So oh, yeah. So depending on who you play first and who you play second, that is a one continuous story. Whereas here, who you, it doesn't match up. You know, you're not the Chris and Jill aren't going around at the same time. So that's probably where the stories get a bit. Bit wonky. Yeah, I remember actually playing uh, Resident Evil 2 and finding out the whole there are actually four playthroughs of the game before you even start replaying it and being delighted yep. when I found out that whole, like, you know, you start as Leon, then play as Claire, then you start as Claire, then play as Leon, and that's four different ways to play the game. That's just, it felt like extreme value for money. Which is, of course, the polar opposite of what Capcom do now. Anyone who's played Dead Rising 2 off the record, which is effectively the same game again with a different character will know what I mean. This should be like an unlockable character for the end of the game to give you a bit more fun to get back through, like a hidden guy. It should not be a separate boxed game bought by confused people. And then, yeah. plus, uh, then there's also playing as Tofu and... Uh, which I've done! Hunk. I never, I'm never doing it again because it's so hard to get to. Which is exactly but, as it sounds, folks. A six-foot six chunk of Tofu with a knife who swears in Japanese. It took a long time to get a hold of that, but it was worth it. <laughs> well done, because I gave up about like. What is you have to like, get like, um, like multiple speed runs? It's something like under three hours or something. Oh, God, and with yeah. Res Two, that's quite hard. Yeah, Res One, it's it, it's not too bad because I've done two runs that were th- even just playing this. After all mm. this time, I did two runs that were yeah. about three and a half hours. So it's not too bad. It's remembering to skip cut, but there's cheats like skipping cutscenes cancelling yeah. out and, and things like that but yeah it, it's a lot of it's it's hard work do the cutscenes count against you yes they do oh yeah. man that seems unfair um the, but, it's resident evil yeah. it is kind of unfair in a lot of <laughs> but then again if you're speed running you don't you don't want to see you know hope this is not chris's blood again um <laughs> or if you're playing the game for a podcast you know and you played it five times your hair you're about pulling your hair up by the end you didn't have to play it five times I'd said you didn't even have to finish it once just play it a I lot know, of but, it but, but I know but I did it but you just never do things by halves actually I was more a case can I still do this game in you know can I still finish it yes I can it is very much appreciated I hope I haven't spoiled it for you because I know because like, the actual joy here was a long time ago I, I, I the reason I have a GameCube is because of the Resident Evil deal, because of the Capcom deal. That's yeah. why I bought my GameCube. So obviously, I played the GameCube remake. I was heartbroken that my 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 disc is obviously had it, but uh, so it made me play the PC version, which I bought. Which was always one of those. I bought it because it's going cheap, and I might play it, I might not. Then actually sitting and playing it and playing Resident Evil at sixty frames and in ten eighty, it's like, wow, this is really good. And that the pop, seeing everything pop again, it's it was joyous. To, to find that and then giving you that new control scheme as well big thumbs up for that one you can probably yeah. track hold track down a new gamecube disc for not too many pounds as well i hope i hope so but yeah. i i will admit the the controls for the gamecube remake were compared to the re-release yeah. of the remake yeah. uh seem a lot sloppy now but they were actually oh. driving <laughs> <laughs> yeah i having played through the whole gamecube version it's lovely i'm glad i did it it's interesting because obviously the resolution is not as good and it's not as high mm. so everything seems I remember at the time thinking this looks amazing mm. but going back to it now I can see how the resolution hurts it at this point because it's not quite as crisp mm. yeah 
but cool. that the control scheme, the amount of times that I went to my inventory and pressed the map button, hmm. and yep. the amount of times I went to the map trying to press it, oh, it was. Oh, it's, can I, say, I have no idea why, but was I the only one who sometimes who when I wanted to go to my inventory instead of hitting like the inventory button would hit start? I don't know why I was doing that. <laughs> Just habit, habit of newer games. You see, you re- yes. get a standard pattern of select does the map, start does the inventory, and when you go back, it's like oh, well they actually had specific buttons for this. Can we talk about the zombies? Because it's an yes. overlooked element of the series, especially since by four it became Las Plagas and those, um, you know, the what appeared to be grumpy Eastern European mm-hmm. villages instead. I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say these are the definitive zombies for me. Um, while you know, I, I came to uh, Romero's Dawn of the Dead. This is obviously inspired quite a lot by Romero as well. I came to Romero's Dawn of the Dead late, and around about the time I was, you know, Shaun of the Dead came out about the same time as Dawn of the Dead. And I thought Shaun of the Dead made it so that you can't do zombie films anymore. Like, it, they, it, we've made the zombies hilarious. I'm not using the Z word. And I was so wrong. Because zombie films have been exploded, like, mainly cheap ones, since then. And zombie games, every other game has zombies in it. Oh, God, I, it's the point I'm actually tired of zombies. So tired. Unless it's something that's so such a tonal shift, say mm. like Undead Nightmare, yeah, which but, is such a tonal shift. But I, I, I just hear zombie games like no, thank you. Yeah, that's uh, that's why Wendigo's aware it's at. Yeah, it's one of those things that like zombies at this point are only really interesting if you either have them in large enough numbers to use them as a as a way to drive into personal plots, mm-hmm. or if you do what the original Resident Evil did where you spend half of your game making encountering a single one of them hmm. a scary prospect yeah. where even just coming across one of them is oh shoot if i'm not careful i could lose all my ammo and die here yeah. and they keep that up for like half the game it's just if i come across one of these i need to be careful yeah even just the running difference. around in the corridors without checking first you could run while standing on the right directly into yeah. a zombie who was standing on the right and if you've been running on the left you would have avoided him it's yeah. just when the screen changes suddenly things get real I, was gonna say that, I think that's what makes this work is now we've gotten so ahead in the technology stakes that doing hundreds of zombies on a screen is not a huge deal and they have turned from what should be something scary to effectively a play thing mm. yeah, something that we can talk about with, have some fun with and find ways to experiment in how they behave mm. whereas Resident Evil went along the basis of you can hear it you might not be able to see it until the time that you walk into a screen mm. and it's right in front of you and mm. every time that's the bit that makes you go oh holy shit, it's right there it's literally two steps away from me I need to turn around and peg it because he'll just bite my neck. Yeah. There's, and, a, there's kind of a question though because did the remake with its defense tools make them less um, yeah, scary? A li- yeah, a little bit. Yes and no because they can also inspire that overconfidence as well mm. because he's like, oh, I've got the dagger or I've my personal favorite, the flashbang. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. That, that's just satisfying. But um, yeah, you can inspire that overconfidence in you. So mm. you might try something you, you, you really probably shouldn't. Yeah. It made them less frustrating in that it meant that running into one suddenly and losing progress because of that wasn't quite such a common occurrence. But yeah. 
if you turn a corner and suddenly it's on you, even though you know you have the tools to defend yourself, doesn't stop it still being, ugh, as you run into one. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, if you, like you, you pull your shotgun out and, like, aim it up and you're point blank and you blast it in the face and somehow it keeps on coming. His head did not explode. <laughs> and you're like, oh, no, no, no. And it's so close already. Yeah. Several times that happened. It's mm. really, really annoying. Or you That's walk the- over a prone one on the floor and then there's a... <laughs> on the shoe and you're like get off <laughs> I think that's part of the kind of brilliance of the game though it's yeah. a risk reward yeah. the closer the zombie is the harder you will punch but yeah. how close do you let it get before you think I need to make a move here I think that's the same with the pistol as well to be honest if you let it get close enough and you aim up high enough you can pop its head off yeah, it's but, just a lot harder to do a lot yeah. harder but, but yeah, the fact right, that the lucky shots exist mean that when they do occur you're like ha ah. <laughs> I saved five bullets there, and there's just that tiny little bit of luck makes you feel like a spurt of adrenaline, so you can move forward mm. to the next place. But they also do really well with the weapons, because once you understand how they work and how to use them correctly, mm. you also get that nice power creep, but in a good way, yeah. where you know that with the pistol, you're very defensive, you try not to use that ammo, you get the shotgun, well, you know that if you let them get close enough and aim up, you can headshot them mm. most of the time. And again, you're saving ammo. So instead of taking two to three hits, it's a one hit. And of course, once you hit the magnum or the grenade launcher, usually it's one hit. Yeah. And that the clever thing as well is they recognise your power mm. by increasing the speed of the enemies you face. Mm. Ah. So the the handgun's great for the slumbering ones, mm. but then you get a shotgun. But that's when you start to introduce the crimson heads, which yeah. are a little bit quicker and a little bit slashier. Oh, a lot quicker. That, but they are straight up terrifying. There's like you know the the amount of uh, zombies that you face in Dead Rising. None of that compares to just you close the door in a room, and it's there's corridors around that. You actually you, so in the you know the hall I'm talking about, the one with the crows just afterwards, uh, yeah. and that sort of squashy sword puzzle thing, sword key puzzle, and then you just hear. And like, oh god no but like you can just about see movement in the mirror and th- then you've got like half a second to react quickly so much scarier than a hundred zombies in Dead Rising yeah. or worse you know if you choose not to use the fuel canteen or you're out of fuel and every time you walk past one and you see it go a little bit redder and a little bit more oh. and a little bit and then you see it's basically full crimson head but it's not got up and then you're like it's going to get up it's going to get, get up, up you walk past it and it doesn't get up you're like crap when's it going to get up and you walk past it a few more times it still doesn't get up and you start to relax and then it gets up <laughs> how, how many of you guys shot a zombie down with the pistol and then went over it to uh, use the canteen and then it starts to jiggle and get back up again you get, yeah. get back down I'm going to set you on fire yeah. yeah you so wish you had a kick button then don't you oh. yeah. don't you uh, stop there is one thing I really like about the way the zombies are done. It's something that didn't really stand out to me until I went back and replayed it for this podcast, which was I really like the fact that you are shown, before you've seen any of the slow lumbering zombies, you are shown the fast, speedy, efficient killers that are the dogs. Yeah. And you see those before you're even in the mansion. And it's just this nice looming threat when you start seeing those first few zombies in the house where it's like, this thing is powerful it is scary but it's slow i can manage it Mm, mm. but there's just this lingering thought in your head of some of these things aren't going to be this slow and lumbering sometimes Mm. i'm gonna have to run because there's fast stuff i know it's out there i saw it i got chased in the house by it Mm. and And i really like that they set that up before you even fight anything 
and then it really messes with you once you re-enter the mansion for the second time mm-hmm. and that video plays you like what's that hey that's that that's behind me and you spin round and there's this <gasps> oh, mutant frog just from the hell. walking sounds <laughs> And then the yep, because you don't know whether it's jumped into the air and it might be coming down to take your damn head off. <laughs> uh, you can like uh, if you're playing on the harder difficulties, you can be relatively healthy and they can one hit kill you. That I those guys just about like everything terrible. has one hit kill. Yeah, I also don't like the Crimea, uh, uh, but I dislike them more in the remake because they're much more effective. Oh, do you mean like the the weird horrible scorpion exploding bug things. things? Oh, they're disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Also, another thing Remake does, and it's technically a boss, they get Neptune to actually be something to be afraid of. I was afraid of Neptune the first time mm. round, when, when you do I the, the Aquarius. Because <sighs> I always know how, I know I can get down there quicker than he can, because by the time the video cuts in, mm. I'm almost at that door anyway. I know, but uh, there's still the looming idea that what if I had dallied? What if I had not, um, you know, uh, yeah, moved yeah, but- very quickly? In remake, they actively fuck with you. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you know, you trade in the thing; it's there in the little bit of water. Yeah. You go to get the key; it wake it wakes up, locks the key in the water. And you're like, ah, right. So either I waste a lot of bullets or you'll electrocute it. Just you'll having to it. creep past him, past like, the head, and, you, you, and you're like, it's a mutant shark, is it? Is it still yeah. alive? I was going to say the best time, the best puzzle I probably ever had in my history of gaming was in the pressure pool before that. Mm. Because I'd completely forgotten how to do it. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. The oil of you, It is not necessary to do this right now. Yes, it bloody is! And it was... I had a minute... Yeah, a minute to decrease the pressure. And mm. I was running about. And I think, in very movie-action-style way, it was about two seconds before the thing was going to explode Ooh. that I actually managed to get it done. But... It's it, just because of that very close um, nature to me probably being eaten by a massive shark. Yeah, yeah. I felt a complete relief and it's rare that normally with these sort of things most of the time the puzzle isn't isn't quite so life threatening within such a short space of time yeah. I mean what? You, you just have a minute to do that puzzle and then that's it you're right. out what actually happens if you if the minute goes out does it burst through I think so I oh, think holy he, shit I've got to I've got to fail that he, next time because I want to see because um, yeah, he, he does keep battering the side of the glass each and every time that that shark scene was so influential on me. I once read a short story about it um, for for Gonzo Planet, and no one uh, ever commented or, or got what it was about. We were doing these uh, like um, short stories from the perspective of a minor character in a video game, and the whole gag was you got to guess which video game it is while you're reading it, and uh, it didn't catch on. Probably should have done it in uh, podcast form instead. But um, yeah, that that was I, I really loved doing that, and sharks have always fascinated me. But this the whole Neptune, like the you know, you, 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 there's the water, and then you drain the water, and then the shark, which had so much power before, is rendered entirely powerless. It, it becomes this sort of fascinating, like kind of you know, this this thing was the king, and now it is nothing. Um, that's sort of uh, almost an existential crisis for the shark. <laughs> uh, Speaking of which, they decide to mess with you in too. Oh yeah, they give you an alligator. Oh yeah. god, the alligator! Oh, oh, but then they directly rip off yours with it, which is yeah. kind of funny. But in terms of influence, um, 
the, the my fascination with sharks turned up in Tiger's Eye, uh, and there's an enormous shark in that thing, um, which almost certainly was helped along by uh, the realization of Neptune here in terms of it's it's pretty close to a megalodon, and uh, but the mansion itself was one of the major influences on the mansion in Secret Rooms. Just the idea that, like, Sharon, we were, I was getting, giving Sharon a go, and she was wondering, and she went, this is really reminding me of Secret Rooms. And I was like, well, yeah, it's the, the Spencer Mansion is kind of figuring as uh, the House of Versteckt in that book is, is this, very much that same thing. So is this arguably the most famous mansion in the whole of video games? Oh, yeah. We just say, we just say to a video game at the mansion, they'll go, the Resident Evil mansion? Yeah. 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 If like if you ever do something set in a mansion, you've got to acknowledge that you're either doing it or never acknowledge Resident Evil at all. Although mm-hmm. mm. I, I have to admit, when going around it, I don't know who designed it, mm. but the guy's an absolute nutcase. That's all I'm going to say because yeah, there's no need to put that many traps in such. <laughs> all right, so I'll bring you up now. We all praise it, but the actual internal logic makes no goddamn sense. Oh, there yeah, is impossible. No. Uh, there is a bunch of impossible space in that mansion. Where if you try and map <laughs> it out, like that mansion spirals in on itself in ways where rooms can't physically exist. Yeah. Even from a, if you actually work in the lab, it must be a nightmare. Because how do you get to work in the morning? You've got to right, push some, some statues around. <laughs> You leave at 4am and you keep a cheat sheet with you. <laughs> it doesn't. Like, it only makes sense in the context that someone wants you to solve all these puzzles in this specific order. Which, which is it's not the case. Is. I mean, like, uh, Wesker's it, it herding you around. Is. Yeah. But, I mean, like, all he had to do was just shoot you in the back and save himself so much trouble. Yeah, but that's not the point. The point was, Star, it, the whole incident is an accident, but they use the accidents to test the weapons against combat-trained people, which is yeah, the stars. I so suppose, I suppose yeah. that's the try to do it, but if you actually think of it from a logical point of view, it's like, this mansion makes no sense, and working wow. here makes no sense. I hate to say it, the hive in the first film makes more sense than the Spencer Man. <laughs> <laughs> or indeed the police is... station, because people had to work in that place every day. It was right in the middle of the city. It's just, it was weird. The fact that you've got a disc that unlocks one of the locks for the prison that Jill is in mm. is protected by a yellow jewel that you have to find somewhere else to put into a statue in the mansion, which is nowhere near the laboratory, just to get this one disc of three. The yellow no, jewel was in the head of that boar, wasn't tiger. it? Yeah. The tiger. And oh, it's, no, you stick it in the head of the tiger from the boar. Yeah, it's, I, although I do... Everything, just replaying this now, makes me sit back and just admire how a game designer's mind can come up with hmm. something that elaborate. Yeah. Oh, God, for, yes, for this, because that's there's a whole lot of planning there that I could, I can't even begin to get my head around how that would all fit together. It's totally logical. Yeah, yeah there's there's no real world logic to, but great game logic to it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's just the way it all fits together in. A way that when now I've completed it, I look at it and go, "Oh yeah, from a game side, that that really honestly all does make a lot of sense." And how how they kind of filtered you through the game. Um, yeah, the only think- thing I want to do now, if I ever replay it again, is I want to get a little cheat sheet that says which door is for which type of key. Game FAQs is your friend there. <laughs> I keep I, the amount of times I kept forgetting because basically you have four keys. I think it's a helmet key, shield key. Uh, shield key has key. Shield else. key has one use, which is the door to the snake. Hmm. Uh, helmet. 
armor and sword. Oh, it's a sword. Uh, the ones you need for the main doors. In fact, I think on my last playthrough, I still had the armor key. At the end, I was like, which door did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> I oh, think uh, it was the one to Forest. It's, yeah. Yeah, because I kept forgetting which doors were for which key, so I kept running back to them and going, is it this door? And they said, you need an armor key. It's like, oh, God's sake. Well, one of them is the key to the room with the bug lure that you switch around for the fishing thing. Oh, the, that's the armor key. Yeah. Um, oh, I hate that one. Item. Th- we could talk about item management if you want. Oh, now there's a. Okay, so is it not good not, then? <laughs> anyone who's not played this game mm-hmm. and you want to and you do get it, this is how you, the, the order of characters you play is probably important. Play with Jill first. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because you you don't tend to have to worry about item management as much as you do with Chris, because it's eight slots against six. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing. The thing you also have to remember, and it's something that shines a lot more now than it would have done then, is there's a lot of things you cannot do with an item you pick up that you would assume would be logical to do now, especially when it comes to combining items. Mm. Because you can pick something up, and the only way to combine two items is to have them both in your inventory. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, when I look at it, I pick something up and I go, well, I've got this in my inventory. I have this item I've picked up. Why can I not just combine them now? Yeah. So you couldn't you, you couldn't pick up another uh, magazine unless you like if you had a if you had six items in your inventory and you want to try and pick up a magazine rather than going into your common stock of bullets he goes well you can't possibly hold this magazine you haven't got a yeah. slot the the most bugbear for me was always in regards of herbs the way yeah. that herbs work is you've got yeah you get green red blue and you can combine them in your inventory to make a stronger herb mm. but. You can have a green herb in your inventory. You go up, you pick up a red herb. All you want to do is combine them and use that inventory slot for the. You do not herb. have enough space for this red herb. Uh. And it's it bugged me so much during this playthrough this time that I it seems like something that should just make a lot of especially because they do it with bullets. Mm-hmm. I think. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they do it yeah. with bullets, but not with herbs. The one thing I do like about the inventory screen is the examine screen and how they use that. Yeah, that is very clever. The way you ha- you can check books for mm-hmm. the the wolf and eagle eagle medallion. You check uh, the keys and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Especially because you pick up a key. If you just pick up a key, all it will say is mansion key. You mm-hmm. actually have to examine it for it to tell you this is the sword key. This is the armor key. It's a nice little touch. But how many of you got tr- got very confused by the first aid boxes in the remake? You, it oh, took me a while. You can't open them. It, and then you slightly move them, and suddenly you can open them. You, you've got to look at it from at the top, and it opens. But for ages, I was like, I was just pulling it up. Open. No. Open. No. Open. It's the latch. Open the bloody thing. Yeah. I need to heal. So you can open the boxes from a certain point of view. The, the other <laughs> one that really annoyed me was the replacement key that you need for a puzzle. Yeah. Yes. You need to look at that at a very specific angle for him to go. Oh, suddenly it's a replacement key. Yeah. It's, it's in your hand. Yeah. You would know. You would not have to look at the wee bit at the bottom to go. Oh yeah. Oh now I see. Also, the uh, the the area of this does something important is so narrow. You could be standing beside a tiger's head, and you could say, "Use blue gem." It's not necessary to use this now. Yes, it bloody is. Just I use it. That- it's right there. I had that repeatedly happen in the tool shed in the remake mm-hmm. where you on the shelf you have a first aid which I picked up fine mm-hmm. but you had one of the defense items mm-hmm. I think it was with Chris and it was just one of the flashbacks and I was trying to pick it up it's a row of tools 
some rope tools. It's a fucking hungry pick. It's up. flashing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree with Neil. Though. I do like the mechanic behind the fact that you have to. It's not a case that he picks up and instantly knows what it is. Mm. You have to use a bit of ingenuity to actually determine what this could be used for. Yeah. Um, but uh, the the ink ribbon way of saving at the beginning of the game, especially the first time you play, and especially before you come across mm. many others, is such a great way of just making you feel, oh my god, I can't even save. That's mm. that. That's again of the time. Uh, Tomb Raider did it. Obviously, mm. Final Fantasy VII did that as well. The two that spring to mind, where yeah. with Tomb Raider it was the blue crystals. I think you had to look for yeah. the safe points. Obviously, in, in the fantasy series, and it adds to the tension because again, it, it plays into the risk reward. If you're trying to go for say like the infinite rocket launcher, mm. which is like under mm. three hours and so many saves, yeah. you have to plan out. So again, it becomes a strategy in itself. It becomes its own little meta game to play. You every time you pick them up, you only get three as yeah. well. Yeah. So. Ooh, you got to balance those out. So it's incredibly effective for end game stuff when you're going through your speed runs, and it's incredibly effective at the very, very beginning uh, when you're like, "Hang on, I've got two left," which means I can save this twice, and I'm so scared that I, I've just done something vaguely important. Do I save it now? Do I save it later? Like I, I might die, and then I have to do a lot of yeah. stuff again. The the, the method. Yeah, the, the method I've I've tended to go with for for playing through one is just. What are the points in this game where it is going to be blind luck whether I survive? Mm. Right, save before those points. So, yeah. as we mentioned earlier, the boulder. Yeah. Save yeah. before the boulder. <laughs> but when you play it for the first time, you don't know there's going to be a boulder. Oh, so you you're afraid no, of everything. You have no idea how long it is as well. It's like, I don't know if I'm using these up before the end of the game. Yeah. Will there be more ribbons? I don't know. Yeah. And they mess with you with the remake with the boulder because in the the, the director's cut and the, the PlayStation version, different boulder, you have to it? walk up to... You have to... Well, two boulders in the first one yeah she's even more annoying but um you have to walk up to the boulder turn around and walk back for it to trigger in the remake you you come out of you you, you use the hex crank so many three times to get it to turn around you, then you come out your inventory screen and then it's <laughs> then it starts rolling it's like oh you bastards <laughs> that's actually you just reminded me that's another thing that wasn't evil for brought us and, and nobody ever tells it off for um, quick time events. Thank quick you, time. Resident Evil Four, you bastard. Nah, Shinbu, Shinbu got there way before. I think. True. Yeah, hang on. Did hang you on. not? Do you yeah, not enjoy the thought nice of running away from a boulder in Resident Evil Four by shaking all your remote <laughs> and shut to mimic you're running away from the boulder? No, I don't, no. Laura. <laughs> no, no, you're absolutely right. You're sh- Shenmu, you're absolutely right. And then uh, to be fair, Resi though, 4 and then God of War. It, you can't hold it too much against it because at least it did it well because you never mm. expected them because they were commonplace. Oh, do you remember and that? Yes, I, di- I died to that boulder in that game too. Yeah. I hate you I have that, a bad history with boulders. That knife fight with Nikolai, I think it was. Oh, um, yes. That was actually good. That was like, you know, it felt like an action sequence and that you were doing well enough. The, the problem for me with um, quick time events is that it's great if you get it right the first time. You're like, oh, I did it. But if you fuck up, and then you actually end up doing it worse each time, and you're like, oh, "I'm never going to do this." Yeah. Especially the protracted ones. So it actually it kills tension because you just become more aware of the puppet show itself. So it's yeah, a very delicate they, balance. They got so abused past that point. Oh yeah. Quick yeah. time events just. You say that terrible. It's, a, it's a derogatory term now. You say that you you can hear the drop in people's voices when mm. they talk about it. But at least within Res Four, because it was, and plus it hadn't been in at that point, I don't think. So you never had these moments where oh, it's a cutscene. Oh, I can put my pad down. Oh, I just got squashed. <laughs> 
It's mm. a good kiss off for when you're breaking up as well. You know what? You're a quick time event. I did you once. And then every time I do you afterwards, it feels like I'm making mistakes and I'm doing worse and worse each time. What, what, what I did like about 4 with, with regards to its quick time events is they also sometimes mixed them in with actual gameplay. Like there was the, yeah, what is yeah. the boss that you fight on the river? Uh, uh, I think it was the, the Leviathan yeah. type thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the big fish thing in the mm, lake. Mm. Um, you have your standard gameplay there where you're shooting at it, you're shooting harpoons and things, then you do your quick time events, then back to your shooting, and like it, it mixed them up so you weren't just doing a quick time event and mm. that was it. So like it wasn't the worst quick time events in the world. Oh yeah, no, not the worst. Five, but, five uh, and six definitely took that idea oof. and went boring with it. I almost want to play six out of pure blind... Don't do no, it unless no. you... No, I, <laughs> Play I would it with someone. Yeah, it's play it a little bit drunk with someone and go in expecting to have a bit of a laugh at it. Okay. Don't take it too seriously, and it's a, it's a fun evening to laugh at okay. it. Okay, well, it could be half a dirt cheap nowadays. No one wants it. Yeah. Um, what, what about yeah, Raccoon was... City Operation? Is that bad? I heard no, it's bad. No, don't do it. <laughs> it's a poor it's... man's left for dead. It's oh, not right. worth the time you'd put into it. Oh, jeez. Okay. Um... Oh, and also, you can create a time paradox. Ah! What happens? Do like you kill Leon? Yes. Oh, nice. Mm. Just that was just a guess, but yeah. Yeah. No. It, like the final thing mm. is, you, you. Does anyone mind if I spoil the end of oh, that game? Oh, spoil it! In go fact, on, we're going to go tell ahead. you all right now not to play it. So, Christ, I haven't played yeah. this in yeah. years. Uh, quite a few you years. You spoil so. yourself if you play it, basically. Um, you end up at the train yard, so it takes place after the ending of two. Okay. And you're given the choice of either kill Claire and Leon. Or turn against Umbrella and save Claire and Leon. Oh, right, so you're play, playing like Hunk's teammates? Yes, you literally are Hunk's teammates. Oh, right. In fact, I think he's the guy giving you the orders. Okay. You run into him at some point. I'm Hunk. Hunk is literally the Boba Fett of the Resident Evil universe. <laughs> Tell I have me no he's idea voiced... why this guy is pop. Tell me what he's voiced by Will Arnett. Hey, I'm Hunk. I wish. It would be more interesting. <laughs> I, he's another one of those characters I scratch my head and go... Why are you popular? <laughs> because of law fanatics. Hmm. That explains yes. that as well. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So you can kill Leon and, and Claire, or? or or you turn against Umbrella and you have to kill your teammates. Oh God. Yeah. That's not fantastic. <laughs> um, the only fun bit in that game is when Nemesis turns up. Hmm. Why? Uh, Let's get to um, like recommendations for Resident Evil games people should play after this at the end because uh, we could definitely talk about its legacy as well there. Mm. Um, but anything else we've got to tie up uh, the bosses. So yawn. Oh, yes. I mean yawn. <laughs> yawn. Plant Forty Two and the Tyrant uh, are, the, are the main bosses I'm thinking of. Although Black also tiger. yeah, Black Black Tiger and that uh, horrible dog as well. Not much fun. So. So let's be fair here. Did anyone else just find that yawn is an excuse to run around a bootcase over and over and over? Yes, 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 yes. yes. That, That's that, basically that is, what we need to do. That is the official strategy as well. Yeah. But although I do like the fact the first time you 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 face him, you don't technically have to fight him. Yeah. No, because no, uh, if you if you save that guy, he comes in and like you know Sarah Connor's him. With, well, you do it well. Which he gets the bad death in Chris's campaign. I think he gets eaten by the shark. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I never saw yeah. that. If you save Richard in Chris's campaign on the remake, he doesn't die by a yawn, he dies by the shark. How? And does get... he, where does he, does he just turn up in the he's a, ring? He's literally randomly in there. It's okay. like, it's weird, because you remember that room you were talking about? Poor sucker! The, 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 the bee law? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You have to unlock two doors to get in there. Mm -hmm. If you're Jill, Barry's already in there. Okay. But you have to unlock two doors to get in. 
That doesn't. I suppose well, Wesker he, let him in his was, back door. Yeah, he was working against you. He locked the doors behind himself, so you'd have to face more monsters on the way there, yeah. I suppose. Oh, speaking of but getting through locked doors, you know that bit where you, you come back out of the guardhouse and then the hunters enter the house, and there's that cutscene mm-hmm. where the hunter's jumping incredibly fast, like an evil frog. Um, and it goes through the uh, door from the sort of the tool shed. But but in the remake, you've got to put the uh, umbrella crest on the little switch thing, right? But if you remove yep. it, which you need to do so you can combine it with the stone bit and uh, put it in the, the final gate, uh, if you remove it and leave that thing completely locked and impossible to get through, and then you move back into the mansion, that bastard hunter goes straight through the door without thinking. And you're like, okay, so I guess you can go straight through locked doors, then that's fine. But you don't want to argue oh. with it because it's a hunter. <laughs> I would, but um, the trouble there is the game logic is you're actually meant to leave that crest in for quite a while yeah. because yeah. there's a time you come back through and if you're oh, taking it out, you're really buggered. I know, I was I was purposely taking it out just to see if that would happen and it totally did. It's I a actually, hunter, it's coming for your ass yeah. regardless. I know, I know. I have to admit, I actually think the bosses in this game I genuinely look a bit scary, but are really not that hard. Yeah. Boss encounters. Once you know what you're doing, yeah. Generally not. Even. They're not overly difficult to work out, I think. And if you are, if you do well in saving people, yeah, and various playthroughs, um, some of them even take care of those bosses for you, like yeah. straight away. Barry yeah. helps you with Plant Forty Two. Uh, actually, one like, but they're they're really there for your first playthrough to be like so big that mm. you, you you think I can't possibly kill them with even with the shotgun. But, um, you know, even in my most recent playthrough, I went through the wrong door, um, like, you know, just callously without having saved as uh, Jill, and ended up blundering straight into Plant 42. I was like, no! Turned around, tried to get back in. It is not possible to go back through this door, you bastard! But if you run to the left, then there's a double door you can go through to escape. When I was doing my Chris playthrough, I the way to deal with Plant 42 is Rebecca has to create the serum. Mm. Which the video. I remember spending more time than I thought was healthy for Chris trying to figure out how to do. <laughs> that was another one that I gave to. That was another one I gave to Sharon and Lyra. Basically, they they let me do the action, but they were like Lyra was really on point with the puzzle. She's a great lateral thinker, and uh, she pretty much figured out the the maths on the V jolt straight. Up, you know, not straight away, but like you know, going around the block a few. She times. got there quicker than probably we could. Cause oh yeah, I screwed that up so many times. First time round, Actually, I completely did. Yeah. GameCube encounter with your the second one in the library I ran out of ammo oh my god I had to leave the room I ran out of shotgun ammo I had to leave the room <laughs> run back to a save point to get the handgun mm-hmm. run back mm. and then you know, I think all the damage that I'd done with the shotgun was wiped so I had to do it all with the handgun there was, I, there was a lot of four letter words involved especially when that snake mm. finally died yes you <laughs> bastard you know where I lost all my ammo the first time I played through it before I realised what the deal was with this particular thing you can fight? It was Lisa. Mm. Well, I unloaded oh. huge amounts of ammo oh. into Lisa. Yeah. Finally thought that I'd, I'd done it. It's the, you know, this abomination has fallen to the ground. Yep. And then up it gets again and I'm like, yeah. do I have to fight you again? So I did it. I took it down a second time and it got back up. I was like... Yep. I've just wasted enough ammo to take you down twice. It's an ammo dump. This yeah. was a mistake, and I had to go through the rest of that game with two leases worth of ammo gone. That's, that's that a is lot the clever of thing ammo. With 
Because uh, you okay. never directly fight it, and you never have to directly fight it. You don't have to, but, but I didn't think know that did. at the time. time I yeah. thought that's, I did. Again, I thought I did twice. That's why I like the, the remake, because it does mess with you in those ways. Yeah. Mm. Like putting things in, like completely changing what the wind, sun, star, whatever the other one is, crest is for as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mood crest. Yeah. Also, that's another way they mess with you. You get the Magnum so early in this game. Oh, yeah. Most yeah. powerful weapon in the game, aside from the damn rocket launcher. And you have to go, and now I've put you away for four hours. What about the yeah. grenade launcher? It's especially useful against living things. <laughs> <laughs> no, he says that about acid rounds. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Although, I do admit there's something satisfying but with Jill, with the, the grenade launcher, not the bazooka, as it's called in the first. Yeah. When you start just... You know, when you blow the arms off a hunter, it's satisfying as all hell. I never blew the arms off a hunter. Oh, yes. It makes you feel so much better. Is that just with acid rounds? Uh, I think it was the explosive rounds. Ooh, i got to do that next time. (laughs) I think the only thing in terms of the bad way that Lisa's presented to the game is you can kill everything else, Mm. but there's no real indication that you can't kill her, especially because she does keep going down. Yeah. Well, this is why, yeah, this is my problem, and that's why I went to take her down a second time, is I didn't take, she stood back up as a cue that she, mm. you know, would do that forever. It was, well, other stuff has stood up after I thought I killed it, I just have to keep going. Yeah. At least the nemesis that, had the decency to drop some ammo when he dies. Yeah. Well, the trouble, I so, think, with the game design throughout the remake and this one is, uh, I think especially for modern people who haven't... I sound old now. For younger people who haven't played it originally, there is very little signposting whatsoever. Yeah, it doesn't hold you by the You're hand. Very, people are going to be very used to that. It literally does. Here's the mansion. Off you go. Well, not only is there very little signposting, at times, like with Lisa, there is signposting that actively goes against what the rest of the game tells yeah, you. Like, at yeah. times, the signposting is actively fighting against you finishing this game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the interesting thing I'm, I'm really bummed about the GameCube going down was uh, during the final confrontation with Lisa, where you push the four blocks off, mm-hmm. uh, Wesker was there. Now, you remember how I mentioned that Lisa has a one-hit kill? Yeah. Mm. She killed Wesker. What? Well, I think, I, well, I think she did. It happened, it happened on the other screen. I was on the far side pushing one of the other stones off, and I heard it, and he wasn't there when I went back. So I think Lisa killed him. If you so didn't, uh, movie rules, Neil. If you didn't see the body, it didn't happen. I was going to say, because <laughs> on my GameCube playthrough, he was alive mm. after the Lisa fight. He How just does it said, finish otherwise? All he said well, was, I'm just going to stay here for a bit, because, mm. you know. Investigate. Yeah. I'm not evil, even though I'm dressed in black as well. Yeah. Oh, I'm just that going was, to uh, investigate. Maybe that's why my game kept crashing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, maybe that was it. Yeah, you've created a paradox. Uh, Final chat. Let's talk about the tyrant. The ultimate weapon Mm -hmm. that has its halt on the outside. I was going to ask, am I the only person who, first time you fought that thing, just assumed, oh, I have to shoot for the heart. That'll be its weak point. And then, no, that doesn't make any difference, seemingly. (laughs) Yep. It's like, oh, your heart is literally on the outside of your skin, but I guess you've got some kind of iron heart <laughs> the best bit about that fight is the complete lack of signposting it is going to happen Yeah, because you engage a lift you go to the lift, you go up the stairs and then suddenly you're fighting the tyrant after a little bit of chat yeah. and if you've not bought the right ammo with you you're screwed Yeah, Magnum, 
Magnum, Magnum, Magnum. But but you've got no indication it's going to happen. True. Mm. Literally, that is, you've yeah. got nothing at all. So if you, a lot of the time with this with Resident Evil, I was kind of sitting there going, going, I don't want to take out my massive weapons because yeah. What if I don't have enough inventory space to pick up what I need to pick up? Mm. But unlike the Resident so, Evil Code Veronica bugger up, at least when you resport well when you reload uh, whatever your last save was, you'll be in a save room with access to your full yes. inventory. As opposed yeah. to, you're nowhere near your full inventory. I guess you've mm-hmm. lost the whole game. <laughs> That's why it's the white whale. Who designed that one? I mean, okay, one Neil, Neil, I've got to say, go back and play. Like, for a Resident Evil fan, which you are, it's I'm got... I'm a massive Resident Evil fan. I sent you a picture from a few years yeah. ago you... with the small collection. I know. You You only really got about a third of the way through the game, maybe half. There is a big unfolding stuff. Like, stuff happens at the end, and it's But here's the question. Great what for, do I... What do I play it on? Because I have the Dreamcast version, which is yep. the hardest version. Yep. I've got the PS2 version and the GameCube version. I, I, honestly, I'd say the the um, GameCube. The, the GameCube has the, failed well, you a recently. 360 version. There is a 360 HD version, but I'm assuming you don't have mm. that. No. The, the, I, I wouldn't trust the ancient hardware of the Dreamcast or the GameCube. Maybe just go for the PS2. It's it's a sturdy thing, and if it dies on you, you just get another PS2. It's not that difficult. <laughs> this is my was, launch PS2 down here. Oh That's how God. sturdy it is. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I, in defense of Nintendo's machines, you do tend to build bricks. That yeah. stick I'll, I'll tell you what, it. another a little nice design touch, the GameCube version, the MO disc readers are mm-hmm. all GameCubes. Oh, yes. nice. Nice. I don't I know if that's like that. the same in the uh, in the PC version. But. It's not. They're slightly slightly changed enough that, that. But if you know what they were in the original remake, you go, "Hang on, no, that is a GameCube." <laughs> that's good. It's a nice touch that they're still that. Yeah. I did like. I did like the little touches like that. But yeah, Tyrant is meant to be this ultimate weapon, and Chris's reaction is the best. He just pisses himself at it. <laughs> He's just gone through zombies, hunters, dogs, Crimea, uh, shark, plant, bees. Oh my god, the bees, not the bees. Not the bees! <laughs> and then he just sees this big white dude with the heart on su- outside and a, a Freddy Krueger rip-off hand. He's like, hey, I'm just going to laugh now. Stop it, mm. Chris. Stop it. Am, am I right in that second, that second half of the fight that's up on the helipad? You don't actually have to shoot him at all you can am if I, you sh- yeah you can but you am i right you can also just wait out the timer and if you wait out the timer launcher. you have to wait till it, uh, 30 seconds i think it is that mm. brad drops the rocket launcher but i have a vague memory of that not happening once so i don't hold me to it i always have yeah. shot him just to, because if you should do enough damage he drops the rocket launcher earlier mm. yeah yeah I well, never I occurred to me memory. to just run around the place and go, yeah, I can't get me while the time is running down. <laughs> I, I can't. That The great thing with this is that thing turns up and it's on. Yeah. It's, you don't think about not shooting. That thing turns up, it's, it's on. Yeah, you've got yeah. the woman out of Aliens going, attention, emergency, you now have two minutes to reach minimum safe distance. And that just, like, that was making Lyra get up and jump around the place. She was like, come on, come on, come on! They, at least they give the, you the decency of having a lot of space to fight that thing in, unlike mm. Res 2 and Mr. X. Oh, God. Mm. Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, because the first time you, you fight against the tyrant, like, he just kind of leisurely strolls at you, like, if I get close enough, I'll swipe at you, you know? Just 
take your shots, but when you get up on that roof and you have lots of space, it's like, okay, we've got some space to play with, it is on. <laughs> and that's the hardest thing, because he has that charge swipe, and mm. because you can't see him all the time, you, you the minute he's not on screen, you're like, oh my god, oh my god, where is he, where is he, where is he? I think that's the one time that the screen layout that they've used for it kind of hinders it. Not in normal zombies, it's not too bad because you kind of just enjoy the the fear that you might run into one. Yeah. But when you know you're in an environment and there's a boss who can be very powerful when he hits you, you kind of want to know where it is a lot of the time. But you just don't have that ability, especially when the first time you face a tyrant. It is such an enclosed space; you basically are going to get hit. In fact, in the remake, they cut the space in half. You're able to, in the original, you're able to run around the entirety of the room. Mm. Whereas this time, it's divided the bastards. Because they all knew what we did. We kited him until he fell. (laughs) Oh, it's worth uh, mentioning healing as well. Because uh, the whole green herbs, red herb thing. The fact that as you take damage, you start to move slower. And to the point where when you're on danger and you're limping around, like favoring one leg, really leaning down, moving only a little bit faster than the zombies, that is a brilliant way of building tension. So, like, when you're you're first playing the game, just, like... the game's going to be most effective if you've never played any of them before. So really, it's mm. it, it's kind of like, you know, if, you, if this is your first Resident Evil game ever, you're in luck. And make sure that it's the HD remake. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will it's, say it's got, that the, is, it's the most customizable. Pedant's Corner, that is only in the remake. That didn't get introduced until the second game. Really? The cocoon, cocoon, cocoon? Yeah, oh, you're no, right. Just, you're right. That was, was a, from the Leon uh, in Resi 2, yeah. And clear. But, so it's like, but yes, it, but I'm glad they put that in because that is so effective. Because again, mm. it changes the game, it yeah. changes your strategy. Because all of a sudden, you're not as quick as you were before. And if you're dealing with anything that's quick, then you start to panic. It works really well alongside the low inventory space to get you using your healing items fairly regularly rather than just stockpiling them yeah because it's so tempting to heal uh, to stockpile healing items because of course they're healing items they're always useful Mm. but when you've got like low inventory space and you're also slowing down when you're injured it's like oh yeah i get that i'm supposed to use these herbs not just leave them sitting in my inventory the whole time yeah so although they do a bit of signposting with the blue herbs because once they start turning up it's like do you want spiders. some blue herbs? Yeah, there'll be spiders and a snake yeah. turn around here. <laughs> oh, and actually, the, worse than yawn, I, I received more damage in the uh, last game I played by those sodding snakes that drop on you, yep. just the little snakes, <gasps> oh, than yawn. Because in the GameCube version, I noticed this, because I was doing this, I couldn't figure out why, because in the director's cut, I could run past and find no problem. Mm. You know, because as you go up the ladder, you run straight, and then it does an L shape, doesn't it? Mm. There's a snake already dropped and ready to strike in the corner of that L shape. Mm. That's where you take that's that one bugger did more damage than I think Yawn ever did. And it's like <laughs> once I worked that out, I was like, you, you, you. Someone was playing that one. We need to drop a snake just there, and it'll be really annoying. Okay, I've got, a, I've got a scenario for you guys to think about. Um. So you're, you've just finished Plant 42, and then you are in, you've gone back to the mansion, and then there's hunters there. The first one reduces you to danger, and then you realize you haven't saved since before Plant 42, and you're yep. limping now, and you aren't actually at the save room yet, and this is your first playthrough yet. You know that there's mm. a save room there, but you don't know what's behind the door. 
and you go through the door while limping. You got, you've got your shotgun, but there's only one shell left, and you're going, and then just you can't see what's behind the door. But as soon as it opens and you're into the next room, you can see yourself, and you hear the. Shitting pants time? Oh, yes. <laughs> and, and if you're lucky, you get that one. Mm. But the fucker above gets you. Runs down the <laughs> stairs at you. Uh, at that point, I would advocate use the other save room. <laughs> yeah. Sod it. Yeah. But, if, if, but then you've got to go through the other place yeah. and, and, and all the, yeah, like. That's uh, true. Yeah. Don't they like. Uh, hunters burst through that door that, pre- that uh, corridor that previously had dogs in it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they, they jump out from everywhere. Yeah. I have to admit, I was the exact opposite. I, I did my usual. It's and it is a mid to late nineties video game. If I have a health, if I have a bit of health, I am stockpiling that thing. Mm-hmm. I think I finished the game with around ten health kits. Just sitting in my inventory, uh, sitting in my locker box, my mysterious teleporting locker box. Yeah, which yeah. you can put oh. in any. That's the best bit of game logic, I think, in the whole bit of Resident Unless Evil. Unless you're playing director's cut mode, or I think hard mode on it, the game. It doesn't apply to hard. It does apply to once you've beaten it on hard, you open up true survivor, where the boxes are just boxes. Yeah, I've never got Actually, there because I can't finish it on hard. Of- it's rock hard. The worst mode I've heard of is invisible enemy mode. Yeah. Why would you do oh. that to yourself? It sounds terrifying. That oh. is... Which one is it? Masochistic or sadochistic? Whichever one it is, it's, it's that one. It's masochistic to the extreme. It's basically, do you have hundreds of hours of your life that you want to waste memorising every layout and movement pattern? Because if you if you want to do that, sure, why not? Spend the rest of your life playing this game. We don't care. I do actually want to play Invisible Enemies. I just I don't think I can finish it on hard enough times to actually open it. I, I, I'll check how, how you actually do open it. I was right. You have to beat the game once on hard with any character. There's also one dangerous zombie mode. Did anyone play that? No, no I you can't kill him, can you? You have to leave him alive. The premise is, for folks at home, that um, you beat it just on normal with Chris and then Jill, and then you've got the option of doing one dangerous zombie. Uh, and that means that the first guy you meet, one of your the stars team, I think it's I think it's Forrest. They switch Forrest, who was on the balcony now, for, for whoever's down on the uh, uh, floor Kevin. the first time you meet Kevin. him. Kevin! He gets up, and he's jangling because he's covered in live grenades. And then he runs <laughs> after you because he's a crimson head. You can't shoot him or he'll explode and kill you. You just have to run away from him. And he goes through doors. For those who want to know how to do that, you've got to beat the game with Chris and then using the once more mode, which is like New Game Plus, beat the game with Jill or vice versa. But as long as you beat him with both of them in normal, you unlock one dangerous zombie mode. It only affects the first third of the game. And in doing that, you'll also have unlocked real survival mode. That unlocks after you beat it first on normal. So basically, beat it once on normal, you get real survival, which unbinds all the item boxes. So everything you put into item box A does not get shipped to item box B when you open it at a different location. And I believe there's also no auto-aim. And then when you beat it with the second character, then you get 
one dangerous zombie. And then if you beat it on hard, you get invisible enemies. Yeah, he, he is oh. a symptom of post-Res 2 where you, they had the really good idea with Mr. X yeah. and killed it with Nemesis because I hate Nemesis. <laughs> oh, you hate Nemesis? I hate that game. I hate Nemesis. What? I'm one of the few people out there that hates that game. I have anxiety issues, so you can imagine Nemesis fucks oh, with those. Hang on, you have anxiety issues and yet you can deal with... Maybe Resident Evil is actually quite good for dealing with anxiety issues because you can get on top of the situation. The more you experience it, the less nervous you are about the situation is that does that hold any water possible but i don't know for some reason i just do not get on with nemesis mm. at all well nemesis is, is a is a like i mean you still it's still like appointed places that he turns up but it feels random sometimes oh yeah but yeah I, and they really fell in love with that mode even to the point it's still there in six. Oh really yeah, if you like, there's three campaigns, four campaigns technically in in six. So the Leon campaign is we're trying to be Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. Then we have Chris of War. Oh, very good. And um, the Sherry level is basically stealthy stuff with this weird monstery thing that basically acts as nemesis. So like clock is tower, not as yeah, it's it's just not as interesting or well done. All right. I'm looking now for Resident Evil 6 because I've got like a, this perverse need to actually play the damn thing now. All I will say is play it co-op because it makes that game a lot more fun because at least you can take the piss out of it while it's, you're bored. It's 175 for the disc-only version on eBay. Go on, that's got to be worth 175 And can you play it couch co-op? No, oh, I don't no, think so. bugger. So I'm going to need to find some, like, I can already tell people are pricking up their ears and go, I'll play it with you. No, because then I'll have to play it. Uh, at some point, which I version will... are you getting? It's, it's uh, 360. It's very uh, um, good of you, whoever just immediately said, I'll play it with you, um, to, to, to say that. Uh, no, because then I'll have to play it. <laughs> I want to be able to just drop this without oh, Alex, letting anybody put it this down. Way. January, I will start the Resident Evil retrospective. Oh, no. Nice. If I get to six and you still haven't played it, you're getting a call. Oh, God. Thank you. Question mark. <laughs> um, also, yeah, actually, I think uh, they mentioned in um, Feedback here that the front cover, the six, looks like a giraffe being given fellatio by somebody. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, okay, so, yeah, that, that's an easy enough one to get hold of. Uh, honestly, Neil, as if it gets you to play Veronica all the way through to the end, you will be happy to have played the retrospective. But maybe, like start with Veronica so that you don't have to push your way through the the nemesis that you hate. Oh, no, no, no. You, luckily, because of this show, and I know it's a You've while... You've got one I, out I of the way already. I No, I have two out of the way because oh, I, did, I did director's cut and I did remake. Okay, so I've cool. got footage for both games. Very clever. Okay. Um, so, I mean, what, what other games did, the, did this first game in 1996 inspire? Like, you know, what basically came on from this that that really wouldn't have been in the same way would it were it not for the influence of the original I don't original know if it evil. counts as Inspire but we have to mention it mm-hmm. Silent Hill I was thinking Silent mm. Hill yeah. and quite possibly the crappier Alone in the Darks that followed yeah well Alone in the Dark came in 92 but it seems like it, it got it was a, first, a, yeah. a shot in the arm from oh we like Resident Evil well we can kind of do Resident Evil as well we were in fact the first well second oh, well, Resident that's Evil been- Actually, no, I just realised the really obvious one that I have to mention then. Dino Crisis! Dino Crisis. <laughs> I, it feels like that needs a remake. I, see, I, I love Dino I Crisis. Actually, so silly. 
I would go as far as to suggest both fear effect games as well. Mm. I, I, I would potentially go as far as to say, like, most video games where you have a gun but are feel like you're at a disadvantage to the things you're shooting, mm. where it is not you are running around fast, badass with the gun because you're awesome, it's, I have a gun, I still feel scared. I feel like this was the first game that really did that. Mm-hmm. And pretty much anything where you look at it since then, like you know, Silent Hills and whatnot, where it's, I have weapons, I still feel like I'm going to die if I try and fight anything. So your dead space. Kind of ran off after, yeah, yeah your dead spaces, like, anything like that kind of ran off after after it, Resident def- Evil to a degree. <clears throat> it's definitely the game that sort of inspired the, the reverse of the power fantasy. If Gears of War is the power fantasy trip, this is the opposite of it. But it's curious now that you mention it that Dead Space Two became a bit more actiony. Dead Space Three was a, like a, a cover-based shooter, um, yep. and that they they that Resident Evil's become more actiony as well. Is it like will Dark Souls Four be a cover-based shooter? <laughs> Is it possible we can hold back this tide of making everything this homogenized action game? I think well, the problem is that. You are. You get to a point that you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't because everyone says we want a series that we have to innovate while retaining the same spirit. Yeah. But oh, most of the time, if you retain the same spirit by making the same sort of thing, everyone will say, well, you're just remaking the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. I think Dark Souls gets away with it because they lent very heavily into the idea of this not being a power fantasy you are going to die mm. as part of their, their core marketing and it's what they've kept as the core message of that going the whole way through you have to get I good you gotta get good <laughs> the, the problem that you die, uh, you're uh, the problem that your dead spaces and resident evils and things got into is that I think by sticking with one, like with protagonists that show up from game to game, mm. you have to have some kind of character progression that they are getting better at fighting thing, these things as they go. Mm. Like, you know, they are improving and becoming more powerful. And that's where power fantasy starts to creep in is yeah. the more times you play as, say, you know, Jill or uh, whoever, Chris Redfield, Chris the more times Redfield. you play, the more times they pop up the more times it's like, well, I guess that they have to be better at fighting zombies now, and you then end up with Resident Evil 6. Perfect visual analogy here. Uh, look at Chris's body build in uh, the uh, GameCube remake. Just He looks like a normal guy in uh, Combat Fatigues. Uh, and in Resident Evil 5, he's this roided-up freak. He's just like he's been smuggling his melons. Like that. <laughs> he looks or ridiculous. Oh, for Laura, he looks like a WWE wrestler. Yeah, I mean, like oh, he, he doesn't gosh. look ridiculous. Like, like that body type is wrong. But the the point is that it, it it's the difference between this is for a horror game and this is for an action game. You know. Mm. Well, this is it. It's if if you're going to have your character progress, and that progression is going to be they are becoming more powerful at fighting zombies and mm. less, you know, less in danger of, uh, when fighting zombies because they're more experienced ultimately like a switch from horror to action fits with that character progression which is is. disappointing but it's it is what it is and jill in resi 5 goes from being like you know in the first one she's got this you know the the limited movement and she's in combat fatigues with that little saucy beret and then uh in uh resi resi 3 she's got the sort of slung sweater and uh, like she still looks like she's you know like holding herself together. She's inappropriately dressed for she Resident is. Evil 3. She should get a coat. Um, Even then, <laughs> if you look at it purely from a progression of the character's perspective, yeah. 
there isn't anything in any of the games to suggest that should have happened at any point. Yeah. There's no part. What basically happens to Chris is he, he does this, and then he turns up, I think, and does he really turn up in any game before Resident Evil 5 again? Well, Code Veronica, yeah. He's, uh, he's uh, one of the... Pl- you get to play as him. But there's, there's... I don't think there's any moment where you think... Oh, there's a definitive reason why he's gone from being this guy mm. to this guy. Well, because there's only very, very light characterization. He's yeah, just the yeah. gravelly-voiced Johnny Template. The, that's the thing. They're all they're all there to fit a purpose. They're all yeah. entirely there for you at whatever point to feel mm. what that character represents on the screen. So for this one, he is an everyday guy put into a, a remarkable situation. And his build suits that. Whereas in five, you're meant to be this gun-toting, macho-wasting, mm. ass-kicking, zombie-shooting Meanwhile, man. Jill is this mind-controlled ninja with like long, flowing hair and uh, yeah, and like you know, leaping through the air in slow motion with her like cat suit unzipped down to her navel, <laughs> and an obvious weak spot of a glowing spider that's controlling her whole body just stuck on her chest. And that mm. fight was annoying to get that off. That's where the Machine Gun Barbie comes from. That yeah. I can thank my old housemate for that, because he was so right. She was Machine Gun Barbie. And that, that followed the films, basically. The, the, the films were doing very well, and, and so Capcom went, well, people seem to like these films, so let's make the games more like the films. You no, know, don't! I was always surprised they never dumped a character called Alice in it just to kill her off in some grotesque way, because that strikes me as what the games would do. Yeah. <laughs> like, every film, my name is Alice, we know. And I have we liked you in the. You know what it is? It's like we liked you in the Fifth Element. Now you've done Resident Evil. We don't like you. I anymore. love her in the Fifth Element. She's great. Um, but no, I don't don't love Mila Jovovich. I just wish they'd stop making those films. Or, or oh. I, I know it sounds mental, but since this sixth one's supposed to be the last one, like end that particular story, maybe make the seventh one, which will inevitably come, the mansion. Like, bring it back to the original Resident Evil and just oh, do have you, have you a not really seen tense the Yeah, have you not seen the RE7 trailer demo? Oh, no, sorry. I mean, oh, RE... Oh, the- uh, no, I've seen the RE7 <laughs> trailer demo for the game. I'm talking about the RE7 movie. Oh, no. I mean, oh. Have you seen the trailer for the film? Yeah. Oh, it's just film? starting next year. Oh no! Hang on. No, the sixth one is the one where she's on the motorbike and it plays to Paradise City, and she's spinning round and round, and it looks like five, four, three, and two and one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. zero no, progression in that whole. What I mean is that sixth final one, Resident Evil, who gives a fuck, is apparently the last one. It won't be the last one. But oh no, because they call it the final chapter or something. Yeah, that worked for Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> yeah, it it's doesn't fine. work you'll get, for re- you'll get Resident Evil the epilogue. Yeah, but I mean, like the, the third one was supposed to be the last one, and that's why the, the fourth was called Resurrection or something. But like, like the sixth one. Say, say you end that particular scenario for the seventh. Set it in 1998 and make it the mansion incident. It it can't be that hard to basically lovingly recreate this game. And also mix it up so that, you know, you've got Chris and Jill and uh, Rebecca and Barry and Wesker and maybe a couple of other stars members in there. And you actually don't know who's going to make it out alive. Like, maybe, I know it sounds mental, kill Chris early on. You're like, well, the gloves are off here. Would you like me to break your heart somewhat? Yeah. anyway. No, you're going to do it. So, long ago, many, many, many years ago, there was a director in talks to do the Resident Evil movie. Gia- this is long Gia- before Guillermo del Toro. Long, long before Paul W.S. Anderson got anywhere near it. Okay. 
He was so emphatic that he wanted to do it. He directed two commercials for Resident Evil 2. Okay. Um. The man's name was George... Romero. <laughs> well, Romero hasn't made a really great... Like, oh no, I know that. Film, like this, since this ever. Before, this was before, you know, before we went, yeah, you lost your way a bit, mate. Yeah. I quite like Land but, of the Dead, but... Um, oh, I do. Yeah. I love Land of the Dead. I think that's actually kind of underrated. Yeah. Anything past that is god-awful, don't yeah. bother with. But, but uh, So yeah, long. this was long ago, and it apparently was going to be the mansion and stuff. I don't so. necessarily think that he'd have made a great uh, movie, but like, you know, so the director of It Follows could do a really good uh, Resident Evil. No problem. And speaking of just this in general, I haven't seen the new trailer for Seven, so forgive me on this one. But when I watched E3 and I saw, because I went in blind and saw the footage mm. that they showed of mm-hmm. the very creepy house and everything, and it came up and it went Resident Evil Seven, I was like, you know what? I wish you hadn't called it that because if that's your game, I thought putting the Resident Evil name on there would hurt it yeah. because it looked so good. Yeah. Yeah, it's. It's it's very interesting that they've made such a stark drop away from the action idea because like mm-hmm. I played through that uh, first hour demo that they put up on PSN and mm-hmm. again I don't believe there was any combat in that. I explored maybe four or five rooms and like a little like hole in the ground, and I spent a good hour in like six rooms being scared because everything was very close and things were very creepy. I was like, yeah. this isn't exactly what Resident Evil was in the first place. Like, it's, I, but, I think but that's it's, a good thing. Yeah, I, that's what I was going to say. Is It's not what Resident Evil was in Resident Evil 1, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's It's kept the idea of small, cramped spaces where scary stuff is around every corner. Mm-hmm. And just done something very new with that idea, and I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm on board with that. That is good I, enough for me. That's way better than I, action creep for every sequel. Yeah, I think I think the thing is that it's it's taken so much. It's odd because we're talking about what influence Resident Evil has had, mm. whereas now I think what Resident Evil is doing is looking at what others have done in this space yeah. and taking influence from that. So it's looking at things like Outlast. It's looking at things like Soma and. Realizing that, yeah, that that is what people are looking at and being interested in. So it's kind of twisted 180 degrees from being an influencer to being influenced, and not that's not a bad thing. It's it's good that they're looking outside of their own selves and seeing what's working and trying to do something with it. It means- I would say that's a good. That is a good thing because I think that worked for Tomb Raider, the Tomb Raider reboot. It obviously yeah. looked at what like Uncharted had done and did its own thing with it, and it worked for it. Capcom was certainly yeah. in a healthier place than Konami because Konami is Konami and fuck Konami. <laughs> can I, can- so I can't oh, have to say it, Laura. Sorry, I wanted to say it. <laughs> okay, you can say it if you want. Fuck Konami. Fuck Konami. Fuck Konami, indeed. Get the um, lever. I I did just want to say one other thing about Seven while we're talking about it. I've played that demo in VR. The VR support's really nice for RE7. See, I'll mm. tell you this now, Laura. Oh, God. There is not enough terrifying. money on Earth to make me play that demo I, in VR. I cannot blame you. Um, I will try and stay as spoilery-free as possible for people who don't want to know anything about mm-hmm. RE7, but there is a point where there were some mannequins, and I turned my head away from them, and then turned my head back, and one was like an inch away from my eyes. Oh, I, room full I of nightmares! Out of my skin, and I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm 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 up for not sleeping for several weeks. Come on, bring me Resident Evil. I would break my own headset with punching myself in that circumstances. <laughs> no, the headset be off. No, I'm done. Yep, done. Just oh, oh, apparently I'm dead. Doesn't matter. I'm leaving the room. Just burn the console to the ground. Well, burn the PC to the ground. I'm just going to put the disc in the fridge. Okay. <laughs> I've been quoting Friends on and off for the past couple of weeks. I've been like, where is this sudden Friends reference coming from? I don't know, I started a few weeks ago as well. That's weird. I've been quoting the pivot scene where they're trying to get the sofa up the stairs for a while, and I don't know why. See, all of these Friends memes just sunk into our heads in the uh, mid to late 90s, and they've never really left. And, you know, Mm. ultimately, like, something will happen and it will trigger one. See, I thought mine was fairly... Fairly vague that one, but no, everyone knew nope, it. I knew it yeah. straight away. <laughs> the actual, okay, so to, to folks uh, at home, if you've managed to listen to us all the way through without having actually played this game, we have kind of like spoiled so much of the surprises. Um, but I would say, if that's the case, make sure you don't play it on easy because um, mm. it, I mean, easy is is hardish, and normal is hard, and hard is downright really hard. And I would imagine true survivor is pretty much impossible but um yeah so like, like you can actually play it that the, the remake you've got mountain climbing which is normal and then there's uh hiking which is easy and then there's walking which is very easy you might be tempted to go in with very easy but that you will get the most out of the game from playing it on not not insanely hard but maybe normal is a good start well, you, you can't play. Um, you can't play hard to begin with, but like yeah. maybe choose at least hiking, because if it's too easy, then you'll romp your way through the game and you'll, you'll lose a lot of the appeal. You could just play an action game if that's the case. You'll get a lot more out of this if it's challenging you, mm. and if you already know a bunch of what's coming, then you might need to step it up to make sure it still challenges yeah. you. Yeah, and to be fair, people know, might know, listeners, this might know what's coming. They don't know when. Yeah, precisely. Well, because that yeah. is the great thing. Of that. We have jumped around very back and forth yeah. about this. Yeah, but then again, that's also applies to the game because you can do that mm. because it is yeah. non-linear. Mm. So you can. We've probably all done it in slightly different orders to each other as well. Yeah, yeah. this is as we mentioned at the start. There is narrative in here, but this is very much the act of playing is what makes it, as opposed to mm. a, a, a plot that we can spend a long time spoiling. Mm. It's, it's not like Bioshock in that regard, I think. Mm. It's because you find your information as part of your explore, exploration, so it's more like an investigation yeah. as well, so that does help. And I just realised, when we were talking about games that influenced, I missed another biggie out. Mm-hmm. Devil May Cry. Oh, of course. So that was actually going to be the uh, the next game Resi after 4. after Resi yeah mm. Resi Four ended up being uh, its own side thing, which is again that's another um, thing that uh, oh. law fans are huge. You know, huge yeah. <laughs> up to four, the mm. development history of these games is fascinating. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was almost a finished build of re- what would have been Resident Evil Two, which yep. was abandoned, mm-hmm. which is now called One Point Five. Can you see that on YouTube? Then, uh, you can actually download it from places as well. People awesome. have got a hold of it. It is completely unfinished, though. Mm. Uh, Resident Evil 3 Nemesis was meant to be a side project, which became a numbered sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, again, it's like Veronica and stuff happened. And then uh, 4 was in development hell for such a long time. You had about three or four different builds. One, yeah. which we talked about, became Devil May Cry. There was another one, which I think you can find the video on YouTube where you're chased by a ghost, I think it is, yeah. or something. Yeah. 
So, and it isn't till after once four hit, they sort of became normalised, I think, and they didn't have the problems. But the, from the development history of Resident Evil, they're fascinating to go through as well. That's... Even then, when you consider how, how much kind of hell four went through, and then you play the game, the game is huge. Yeah. It is. Mm. It's a very lot in comparison to the other Resident Evil games. It is a monster in terms of the time sink. It's hard to speed run, yeah. The, uh, I think the, what people might be wondering why I don't like Fall that much is it, it started off the trend of like at the end of the game it becomes a giant shooting gallery and others like the the uh, Lost Plugas are shooting at you and I just thought like uh, this the the cover mechanics on this game and especially in Five are not good enough for me to really engage in shootouts with these zombies. This, this makes no <laughs> sense. Alex, all you have to say for reasons you didn't like Resident Evil 4, all you have to say is Ashley and everyone's with you. Oh yeah, then there's <laughs> Ashley as well, a horrible girl you have to rescue. Again, one of the best things about Resi, 5, Resi 1, when you first start playing it, you don't know why the zombies are zombies. It could in mm. fact be something supernatural, they could be monsters, it could be a disease, it could be anything. And you basically have to slowly uncover the plot. And it, Unless you're playing in Japan and they tell you in the title that it's a biohazard. Yeah, that's a, that's why I never particularly like the name biohazard, because it almost mm. makes it sound mundane. Like, nothing to see yeah. here, get out of the way, guys, it's a biohazard. It, it tells you up front these people have been probably infected with something, yeah. probably man-made. That's what's going on. There's I don't, probably I don't a company know. that made I mean, it. Biohazard could be anything. It could be a natural phenomenon. So It, I, does, it does sound more city-based than, than house-based, though. And I, I've always kind of liked... Mm. I, the, the, the zombies themselves are not inherently evil. Technically, the Umbrella Corporation is. But mm. um, the, the, the idea of, like... The, the, the name itself now, just Resident Evil. Resident Evil. Gives a tingle. You kind of oh, have to yeah. blank out the later games, but just if you start playing the earlier one, you've got that sort of sense of like that this is kind of special. This like your uncovering of it, and actually one of my favourite bits in the uh, game, which influenced me in the cartographer's handbook, was the um, scientist or researcher who begins to devolve into a zombie as he's writing his um, journal. And that actually is in the beginning of the cartographer's handbook. I sort of took that and ran with it and, and made it about losing oneself. But, you know, the, the ending on itchy, tasty. Tasty. And then, boom, he comes out of the closet. It's like, that that's excellent building up of tension while you're learning about it. And then you get a little scare at the end and you get to shoot a zombie. Or, even better, try to run from the room while there's other zombies crawling about the place. Like, if, if uh, there's two, isn't there? Because there's one on the floor. It's like, right, you guys... You can stay in here with each other. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, that's the downside of sort of when you play those games because any logical person confronted with that situation isn't running round the bed. He's going over the damn bed and straight to the door. Yeah, that's the thing. Like in in a real life scenario, you would zigzag, like I said, um, and you wouldn't be more tank like. But you'd also knock your arms and elbows and face against all kinds of like uh, bits of the scenery. And rather than just smoothly running past it like oil and water, I wonder yeah, if they could have like uh, put it like a, a button prompt in the game where it's like you bumped into the wall and you have to press a button quickly to sort of bounce off it. Otherwise, you end up getting like bashing your knee or something. But like, <laughs> not not back in the day, but these days they could make it feel this more like what, a frantic scramble. Th- this is like I said earlier. This is a gold standard when it just comes to remakes in general. So yeah. the fact that they're doing two, which is my personal favourite, I've got high hopes so I'm praying I'm not disappointed I, I don't think you're alone in that Like oh, it is definitely the one that the most people were asking for a remake of oh yeah what's the development time on that going to be so 
next year. Yeah. 2017. Yeah. Okay. Probably, I'd imagine summer, probably. Ooh. I yeah, mean, like, you've got you've got seven in the film in January. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I would say the other end of the year, probably. Like August probably is a good yeah. guess. Release it at a dead mm, period. Mm. And, uh, and yeah, mm. you've got the, the rule of the roost when it comes to uh, downloadable um, sales. I suspect yeah. they'll do Nemesis, nem- Nemesis at some point as well. To be yeah, honest. if they do two, just because they have to. Yeah, they'll have already yeah, started doing a Raccoon City. It's a bit, it's a bit like the uh, if they don't, it's a bit like the ugly sister of the whole bunch at that stage. It's yeah. just <laughs> poor Nemesis. That one. Yeah. Would you play it again, Neil? I mean, I guess you have to. Which one, Nemesis? I will play it again. Um, it's not. I don't like it but it's not one I'm against playing, if that makes sense. There's some really nice little things in there that I do like. So There's one director, now we're talking about movies, who I pro- think might have been able to do a really good um, uh, Resident Evil movie back in the late 90s when he was still sort of possibly going to make movies, um, and that's John Landis. Do you know the zombies in Thriller? Yes, that's it. Oh. Um, like, those are perfect zombies. They're just, they, they've got mm. that kind of... They, they really like obviously because you see Thriller at an early age and they're terrifying so that sort of rests itself as the seed of this is what a zombie should be but they're so kind of gruey and, and, and um, like, like scary and then they dance and they're still scary um, but so, they dance really well yeah it just it just feels like um, you know he, he missed his calling in that he could have done a zombie movie a straight up zombie movie but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I still hold out hope that they will do a Resident Evil movie based on the mansion and it'll actually be good. You know, I'm a dreamer. I would say that would probably work best if they never do it again as a AAA. It has to be a small budget, yeah. tight-knit crew kind of thing. I mean, it could uh, be it done just like as a fan see. film, you know? You just get a big enough house and you can uh, stick the right music in there and, and you know set dress it like make it a labour of love like get somebody Something who's rich and has a mansion and you basically who donates it to the project <laughs> stranger things have happened work for Texas yeah Chainsaw Massacre yeah I, I, I didn't think you meant the state of Texas <laughs> they remade Texas <laughs> it's been quite a nice experience going back to this actually because I don't have a huge amount of time mm. to play older titles mm. but going back just reaffirms how just how much fun it is to wander about and try and figure stuff out for yourself mm. again mm. it's been a long time in a game since I've had to do that when I think about mm. it we're all a lot more hand fed where to go mm. what to do yeah. how to do it there's no tutorial at the beginning of this which is mm. brilliant I, no. the amount like I that the the concept of the tutorial has stopped me in my tracks of playing action games like every time I start a new one I'm like right the next 45 minutes I can get used to being told how to play how to run how to jump how to shoot how to do a tutorial is a lost art these days it feels like yeah Yeah. no ever since unless it's Far Cry Blood Dragon I'm just not interested anymore (laughs) (laughs) yeah that is actually quite good that that is a good way of getting around it Mm. take the piss out of it but now that we've talked all about it, I am now fresh and ready to go into Resident Evil Zero, which I've only ever played a little tiny bit of in the past. And so, you know, it, it, it doesn't have to be brilliant, but it's kind of this Resident Evil, and that should hopefully tide me over until 2 comes out. Yeah, it, it's, it's a good enough game that will scratch the itch of, I want a Resident Evil that's not an action game. Scratch the tasty itch? 
I think the only thing you'll probably find is that we feel it is a little bit too by the numbers. It, mm. it's, it's all. It is very well. It's a well done, relatively interesting bit of entertainment that you'll get to the end of and you won't necessarily regret I don't think mm-hmm. but you also see all the A's, B's and C's that okay. go into making it as well. Well I will get that finished before I even touch six. Mm. Ooh. Good, okay. good call. <laughs> so okay um, and, and like I said just to reiterate the zombies in this game uh, as well as the zombies in Thriller are to me the definitive zombies. They're uh, you know the, the idea of them like just being a, a danger on their own uh, has kind of like painted in my head the, the you know that the, if you're not careful mm. that's when they kill you mm. and yeah, it's nice to have zombies that are a threat and not an yeah. obstacle uh, m- maybe it's just simply down to the fact that once they start biting you the bite goes on for way too long you're like oh get off get off mm. get off get off get off and you're just frantically pressing all the buttons on your controller yep <laughs> yeah it's a totally natural thing to do um, so yeah, I mean, hats off to uh, um, what's his name, Mitsukashi Mitsukashi Miike. Hang on, uh, no Shinji Mikami. Shinji Mikami. Yeah. So yeah, hats off to director Shinji Mikami. This at least is one masterpiece game. Thank you, guys and girls, very very much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thank you. It has been an absolute pleasure. Usually I don't talk about video games. There's too many hours to put in to actually <laughs> um, to, to, to be able to cram it into a uh, an episode. And also because there's so much packed into each game and so much of it is action and so little of it usually is plot that um, it really I, talking about mechanics is not interesting to me. But it, there's enough interesting things in Resident Evil to really get a good like two hour chat out of that uh, it was totally worth doing this Mm. okay so where can people find you if they want to hear more from your voice so let's start with Laura K. Dale Uh, me if you want to find more of the things I do Laura K. Buzz pretty much everywhere there's Laura K. Buzz on Twitter Laura K. Buzz on YouTube where I've just finished uh, Let's Playing the whole of Dark Souls 3 start to finish which was a nightmarish experience did you get good? I I got good there's a (laughs) there's a very tough optional boss that I beat by myself I didn't summon anyone in I didn't use the embers to power myself up I just sat down and eventually beat it so you know (laughs) I think I got good. Not not DDR pad beating the game good, but good enough for me. <laughs> um, other than that, I do a bunch of podcasts you can go listen to. Every week I am on, let's have a look which ones are currently weekly. I am on the Year of Steam podcast. I am on the Ono Video Games podcast. I am on Podquisition. I am on the Geek Night In. I am on a bunch of other podcasts I am probably forgetting right now because I record too many of them too often. You're the hardest working person on the internet, I believe we've uh, established. On I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say no to that because that's quite a nice <laughs> title to have bestowed upon me. And Neil Taylor, as maybe the. Th- third hardest working person on the internet uh, where can we yeah, find you I, I pale in comparison to, to Laura here Mind <laughs> you, she, I will say this and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass you are my favourite games journalist so. yay <laughs> uh, that's I a bit can... of a real moment I, uh, yay 
Um, I can be found over on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the kid dog where I am doing my short history of series taking a look at the history of uh, companies, consoles, currently working through stuff like the handhelds and the Retracer franchise at the minute. And in January, I will be starting Resident Evil, so pray for me. I will, I will beat that white whale. Absolutely, I will be there to. In fact, you know what? I am definitely going to be helping you. Like, I want you to tweet at me whenever you do anything on on Veronica. See, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to miss winding you up by tweeting you my complete scores. Yeah. If you, if you send me one tomorrow where you've completed it in two hours, I'm going to be, how how he's cheating. This is a bug he's exploiting. <laughs> I maybe back in the day. Because, like I said, I did get to Tofu on Res 2. I don't think I could ever do that again. Yeah. I have attempted to start Resi 4 again six or seven times. And I never really get past the, go Hitler, go Hitler, go Hitler, go. Guys. Because, <laughs> go Hitler, go Hitler, go, 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 go. I've, I've never heard that as what they're saying, but I'm now not going to be able to unhear it. Also, you can do faster. <laughs> Apparently, the original Resident Evil can be beaten in one hour and seven minutes. Absolutely, okay, no right. way I can do that. I've got there to, is I've there got is some time out. for you to shave off. That's so. Is there a speed run of that on on YouTube? Um, I... Apparently, so there are a bunch of different types of speed runs ranging from one one hour seven minutes through an hour thirty, depending on what percentage you want it completed. But you can get through the game in an hour seven minutes as Jill. I want to see that, so I think I might actually spend an hour of my life. I watched the whole Half-Life One speed run because that's insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't normally watch speed runs, but that's quite impressive and, and something for you to beat, Neil. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I didn't mean sh- that. I didn't mean that. Don't do, sh- don't do it. Don't do it. I was try. just disappointed on my original, my you know, first time back in ages that I did Jills in three and a half hours. I was actually gutted that I didn't. I took half an hour longer than I should have done, and I could have got the infinite rocket launch. Yet. I was Aww. like, I was so close. Uh, Derek, um, if you're you're not doing anything specifically right now, are you? No, no, because everyone else is doing podcasts. Mm-hmm. Basically, I don't need to do any more. That's that's where I've okay. decided it. Well, then um, <laughs> feel free to uh, send people to the the thing of your choice. Then, if you want, if you um, have have a thing. Um, it's just if you can all find me at Twitter at the New Del Boy mm-hmm. where I tweet oh no frequently uh, yeah I, I I mean like um even more than that like if there's a thing that you like at the moment ah, that you're watching no, this, no? there's no there's there's not at this moment in time I I am I'm keeping keeping my head low at the station doing occasional appearances okay someone's just uh, Laura's just uh, tw- uh, one hour eight minutes Jill run I know I don't want to watch that it's going to make me cry cry <laughs> <laughs> hey can I just say something as well mm-hmm. well done we've done a two hour show and Laura we haven't asked you the most important question who has the better book I was going to yeah <laughs> okay I'm, I'm going to say Jill I think that Jill has the the more I would describe it more as like an athlete's but like a sort of like a distance a distance runner's butt which i think is a more conducive butt to running away from zombies it's the more utilitarian butt in this scenario no i see i think the more important question is which zombie type has the best butt oh um <laughs> i what's uh what's the name of the snake boss again because that Yo. i'm i'm going to i'm going to say that the snake is basically just all butt. Uh, a butt with a head. It's just one long butt. <laughs> like, as far 
as I'm concerned, a snake is just like a head and then the rest of it is butt. So, ask for days. Can I say um, the, the shark, Neptune? Because I've uh, always appreciated a shapely tail. Okay, to, to, to not joke, the tyrant has a pretty nice butt. <laughs> I never get it's, to see its butt. It oh, actually, no, because, yeah, it, is, it, is, it does the, it, is the ulti- it is the ultimate butt. It should have an <laughs> eye in it. It should have a giant eye in the butt that looks at you every time. <laughs> Don't look directly into it. Uh, and every time you look into his butt, you turn to stone. Uh, it's the ultimate being with the ultimate butt. Okay, well, now we've lowered the tone. I <laughs> <laughs> couldn't help it, Laura's here. We had to say something about butts. It was kind of an, uh, an important thing. Uh, I, I think what we're going to do is um, we're gonna, I'm going to see if I can try to recover the short story I wrote about Neptune. Rather than sort of ending on the uh, the Resident Evil music alone, uh, we've I've been playing some of the uh, I will doubtless have been playing the Resident Evil soundtrack throughout. So you got that. We never mentioned it. The music is so atmospheric. It's got those kind of the chimes and the and, and the kind of the yeah, everything apart from the save room, which is do, by do, far do, the do, most annoying bit do, of music do, do, I have come to listen to. For a very long time. Although it did signify to Lyra that everything was fine. Like, she was like, oh, you're safe now, I can tell. And I was like, yeah, it's uh, it's a safe room. And you'll get used and to it- that... Music. Well, I think most of that music is just... It is quiet and creepy and slightly echoey, much mm. like the house itself. Yeah. Very atmospheric. It's uh, so yeah. I mean, this is like... It's a five-star, ten-on-ten game for me. The uh, It does... it. As we said, it's not without its problems, but I kind of take each of them in in, in their stride. The, H, the specifically the, the HD remake, in that like I'm sort of it's combining all the good times I've had in Resident Evil and ironing out the creases on some of the things that annoyed me. I think it's it's as Neil says. I think it's uh, they've looked at what they need to keep and they've looked at what they should improve mm-hmm. and they've made the right choices each time. And they've also made it future-proof. There is a there is a lot to be said for game remakes. People complain about game remakes all the time, but ultimately, like trying to get Lyra to sit through, say, GoldenEye 64 would be painful. But if that was mm-hmm. properly remade, like not just that horrible Wii version, um, then, then it would it would re-unlock that experience for a new generation, rather than keeping it behind the you know bars of decades. Especially because we're gold standard. Yeah. yeah, and we're in such we're in such a time just now where just where every Tom, Dick, and Harry seems to get remade. Mm. Some of which for no apparent reason. Yeah. I mean, does anybody really want Transformers War Cybertron to be remade? Yeah, really. To the point where they're not even announcing that they're making them; they just make them and, and ship them out. It's been yeah. made. Do you like it? <laughs> also, with remakes, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. You just might get it. Final Fantasy VII. Oh dear. Hey, hey, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to it, but it can't possibly live up to everyone's expectations. I, you know oh. what? I don't even mind if it was just the game that was going to come out, and I'd play it, and what I'd think of it, that would be great. But the shit that we're not going to be able to get away from, you know? Oh yeah, the, the internet is going to be unsuff- insufferable when that comes out. <laughs> but as long as you can just ignore the internet for a few weeks, yeah. then it'll be great. It'll be fine. Maybe that'll be it. Maybe I'll just go right. I'm going offline for a month. I'll play Final Fantasy VII. That's it. I-, I will quote Laura's colleague here. 
Jim Sterling when he said, you know, yes, we wanted the remake, but bear in mind it's Square Enix that's now. making it. Yeah. Well, it's Square yeah. Enix of today that's today. making it, is the yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah. Those guys we'll originally. See. Was that was their first collaboration Chrono Trigger? Probably. I want to say yes. Sure. I think Square made uh, Secret of Mana, Enix made the Dragon Force games, and then uh, yeah. they, got, they came Square together. Enix was, Sorry, Dragon yeah. Force? Uh, Dragon, Dragon Quest. Dragon Quest games, sorry. And then they collaborated yeah. on... Uh, um, it's Chrono Trigger, Chrono Trigger yeah. yeah. And then Somebody's the- been playing Rock Band. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. And it is a joy to see uh, Lyra taking to stuff. And she starts humming things, uh, you know, while, while, you know, while we're sort of, sort of walking around. She'll be sort of, uh, carry on my way, what's <laughs> So, yeah. Um, okay. Once again, thank you so, so much for coming on. I cannot promise you folks at home that we're going to be doing many more video game related ones. But if I suddenly get a hankering to play a game all the way through, I might just follow that up with a show to make it to mark the occasion. You know, that's how little I get to play games. I'm so busy working for you guys to create <laughs> this fantastic content. I don't have time to play games. That's why movies are great because you just get it done in two hours and then watch all the extra content and stuff. And like, then I can really focus on making a great podcast. I don't have time to play no Final Fantasy thirteen. Anyway. Ain't nobody got time for that shit. Absolutely. Oh, it's good. It's good after the first 40 hours. It unlocks. (laughs) Hey, 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 Alex. It's only 30 hours. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. It's only 30 hours till it gets good. Oh, God. Um, Well, anyway, yeah. Final Fantasy XV, you know, has been ever so slightly delayed. It's not been slightly delayed. I'm going to send you death threats just for suggesting such a thing. (sighs) Heaven forbid you want to make something better. Fuck the internet of 2017. If you go back and you listen to... 2016. 2016. uh, But yeah, it's going to get worse next year. And probably in 17, actually, though. If you go back and listen to my podcast when we first started, it was a whole bright new world where we were just all coming together and podcasting was huge. And like, you know, I went to PAX in 2009 and it was like all the geeks got together. It was wonderful. And somewhere along the way, the fuck thing happened. (laughs) You are just talking for two hours. Shut up. Damn waiting then the fuck thing arrive i don't mean to hurt you but this sucks don't put this stuff on anymore but goo try we don't need it put it in your ass um and and (laughs) yeah basically everyone being horrible on youtube migrated out and uh, that's that's maybe stuff for another podcast or not because it's just going to depress everyone but um but yeah it's uh I don't know why I'm thinking about that now. But, um. I'm thinking about happy thoughts. Yeah, no, yeah. How was I going to finish this one off? Oh, yeah, okay, right. But, if I do play another video game, and it is worth talking about, we shall talk about it. Uh, thank you very much to Laura Kate Dale. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much to Neil Taylor. Itchy. Tasty. <laughs> and thank you very much to Scary Minion. And thank you very much to uh, Derek Ritchie. Thank you. Okay. And if you like what I can do with short form audio drama, you'll want to hear what I can do with a much bigger canvas. Peppered steak. Your turn to feed them again, said Boris. Simon shuddered and pretended that he hadn't heard. Boris slowly and deliberately placed a small key with a green plastic tag down on the desk beside him. Simon gave up his pretense of checking figures and took a sip of coffee. I'm going to say it again. The military would get as much use out of these things we have here as they would a tornado. The plane? The wind. 
Seems like having one of these would be very useful for destroying the secret base of your enemies, said Boris as Simon walked heavily towards the door. Yeah, well, the minute we invent a box to put the tornado back into when it's done, I'll patent the idea. Making his way along the metal gantry, Simon kept his breath shallow. The air in here was pungent with the combined mix of salt water, chemicals, hot machinery, and blood. To his right, the dark water stirred. They were watching. He hated that most of all. Carefully pulling the key from his pocket, his little finger locked in a hole through the plastic tag, Simon opened the feed locker. A few weeks ago, he had fumbled and dropped the key in the water. Boris had joked that there was some scuba gear available. Simon had not laughed. He held his breath and pulled on plastic gloves, bodily hauling the pig carcass from the locker. He pivoted and flung it out above the tank. It hung in the air for a second, dead eyes quizzical, locked on Simon's. Then the water erupted beneath it and the pig was gone. Simon flung two more carcasses out until all were done feeding and quickly closed up the locker again. They still seemed hungry. As Simon walked back up the hall, ignoring the enormous tank windows and set in the wall, he thought of Louise and his own bed, a peppered steak and a good fuck. It was two weeks until Jack's birthday and he knew in his gut that they were going to ask him to stay on until August. Same old situation. We're almost done. Just give us that extra 10%. Your family will still be there. My son will never be eight years old today again. He remembered retorting hotly. Sure he will. 363 more times. Boris had replied. Simon had tried to explain himself further, but Boris was a company man to the bitter end. He had a girlfriend, apparently. It was Simon's humble opinion that she was not a lucky girl. The lights went out. What the fuck? Simon cried out, his voice echoing. That was bad too. He shouldn't be able to hear that over the thrum of machinery. There was no thrum. The entire facility was thrumless. Simon hugged the wall. Boris! He yelled. No sound. He held his hand up in front of his face and from a faint glow coming through the vast window beside him he could just make out his fingers. They had not received a drill for this occurrence. They were on a series of generators and backup generators, for God's sake. It shouldn't even be able to happen. The floor was slippery concrete, and he knew he was halfway down the corridor. Peppered steak. He muttered. He made his way slowly through the dock, arms outstretched and thinking about the safety features of the tank. The light on his fingers disappeared. An immense shape had just swum by him. He moved faster. The door at the end was not electrically locked. Through it, he could make his way back to the guardhouse and find some other stuff to help him restart the system. He had not been up there for a week, but he was fairly sure that Mark or Eddie were still staying in the dorms. The sound of a door opening several feet in front of him made Simon's heart leap with joy. Oh, thank Christ. He called out. Boris? There was no reply but someone was definitely there. Simon walked faster. What the hell has happened in here? He continued. Are the lines working? Has head office cold? He was now right in front of whoever this was. 
clutched with his fingers, felt a shoulder, then a sharp, burning pressure. This guy was biting him. Oh, what the fuck? He jerked his hand away, clutching it to him, fear like a jet of ice down his spine. He had not seen the creatures they kept over in the holding labs and research bays, but now there was no doubt in his mind that this was one of them. And if the virus could do that to a fish... He backed away into the darkness. The thing in front of him moaned. A long, slow, guttural, pitiful sound that confirmed everything in Simon's mind. He clutched his hand, which was raw and wet. He was definitely bleeding, and just touching it stung like hell. A chunk had been bitten out. The creature was advancing. The moan was getting louder. He bolted back down the hall, his shoulder bouncing off the wall as he careened through the dark. One good hand outstretched to stop him slamming into the far end. It was the door back up towards the gantry, and it was absolutely locked, electronically. There was a sickeningly loud crunch from up the hall where he had been. Simon screamed. A high-pitched rushing sound was now distinctly audible. Another crunch, this time louder with an accompanying splintering sound. The rushing got louder, and as his heart skipped a beat, the odour of salt water grew stronger. Through the nearest observation window, he could just make out the dark shape in the shadowy deep, circling away from the other side of the tank. It circled towards him, and then wheeled around again, amazingly fast for a creature that size. Simon's feet were wet. He crouched down and found that the water had passed his ankles already. Round the corner, behind the rushing sound, he heard the moaning. It almost sounded puzzled, but definitely not afraid. Peppered steak, he said to himself. He splashed back through the hallway towards the creature. It was past his knees now. He would push past it. It would bite him. He didn't care. He had to get out. This was the bravest moment of his entire life. He would tell Jack about it. A third crash as he rounded the bend and a sickening clatter as the tank gave way. Suddenly, Simon was up to his waist. He could hear nothing but the terrible roar of rushing water and something enormous was coming towards him. In the glint of the half-light afforded by the draining tank, he saw a fin emerge. It was a meter high. Peppered steak. He thought. With lots of green herbs. 